When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Podcast Horseman. Back in the 20s, we reviewed a very famous Welcome indeed to Podcast Horseman, the Bojack Horseman podcast, a spoiler-free episode-by-episode audio review podcast of the critically acclaimed Netflix series, Bojack Horseman. I'm a socially distanced Michael Hamflet. And I'm a socially distanced Adam Nicholas. And Michael, <laughs> wouldn't it be funny if this was the last night that we ever talked to each other about this podcast? Absolutely eh? hilarious. Absolutely it would, hilarious. It would be hilariously funny, that, wouldn't it? But for the fact that it won't actually be, despite the fact that it might be the last episode of podcast air uh, bojack horseman rather we have still got episodes left of podcast horseman but it doesn't matter michael if it's the first episode the last episode the middle episode the christmas episode <laughs> you can still call us the front of the plane because we are all business to begin with if you like this podcast if you hate this podcast if you wish somebody had to listen to this podcast for pure torturous reasons <laughs> or maybe you just wanted to do some following you can follow it on twitter or instagram at podcast horseman you can also follow either of your hosts if you'd like to do that you can follow me at it's adam nicholas or you can follow michael hamflet at michael hamflet you can get this podcast while you still can at apple podcast where we'd love you to follow and subscribe on spotify thanks again for your spotify wraps they've still been trickling in we're very grateful for them we'd love you to follow on there as well and indeed on Acast, all of the streaming services but they're the ones that host us and every friday the link to the podcast goes up on the app podcast horseman twitter feed you can stream it through the app you can subscribe on there uh you can even find us on amazon why are you doing your christmas shopping you know, if you're unhappy with the delivery service and leaving some negative feedback, why not check out their audible section of podcasts in the meantime and find Podcast Horseman. And if on any of those services you are permitted to leave star reviews, don't do what you do on Amazon. Do what we want you to do for us, which is leave us a five-star one. Fool some of those algorithms. And before we go away, get us as high up the charts as you possibly can, get more people finding this podcast and get more people, as I will be tonight, talking themselves horse about a talking horse. And don't think we don't thank you for that. For the last time this episode, there will be an inductee into the Hollywood Talk of Fame. For anybody that has only just joined us, of all the ones, I would say maybe at least go a few back. Creepy few listen to a few recaps. Give yourself a chance. Give yourself a try. But 
for anybody that is just listening to us the first time, if you want to leave us a five-star review saying anything you like, and people have been quite generous in not abusing us, but we will read it out. We are that vain. Leave us a five-star review. Fool those algorithms and those robots, and you will get read out on the show. You will get a star on a Hollywood Talk of Fame. And indeed, if you aren't the lucky one to be on the finale of BoJack Horseman on Podcast Horseman, there is still time for you to get your name on this show. And, as uh, Nicholas alluded to at the start of this episode, this is not quite the end of Podcast Horseman just yet. You can't get rid of us that easy. There will be a couple of episodes left. Next week is the Season 6 recap for those that have only sort of listened to this show in chunks or have maybe picked and chosen. You may have noticed that we've done season recaps at the end of every season, tying up any more of those loose ends, asking any of your questions that are kind of season exclusive. Typically, we said spoiler free, but obviously after today, you can fill your boots, say what you like about season six, any sort of speculation of things that might have happened in a BoJack Horseman universe, all of your own. It's all to play for in next week's Season 6 recap. As usual, we will put a tweet on the feed. It'll probably go up after the episode itself on the Friday. Leave a reply in there. It's the best place for us to spot it. We could just collate them all. And we will do that in the penultimate edition of Podcast Horseman. Yes, indeed we will. So that'll be podcast listeners and lovers. What do they know? Do they know things, Michael? Let's find <laughs> out on next week's episode, which is, of course the penultimate episode as you've just articulated but we do put it this way right the short story of this is we're not ready to let go just yet and we we like all great television shows but like bojack horseman which is of course better than the show you like (laughs) we thought we would do one last episode after the recap where we just filled it full of all the little things that we either wanted to say that we haven't had a chance to say, a few things we want to pass on information-wise about the show and other things. There'll be a few other choices in there we're, we're basically trying to fill it with. Just the last opportunities we have to talk ourselves horse about a talking horse. But while it will be one last episode, and then I swear to God we'll shut up about this podcast forever, it's not just going to be our no. one last things, is it, Michael? Because we've decided not. that for the very last episode, we want to hear you talk yourselves horse about a talking horse for a limited time only. So <laughs> let me explain myself. Basically, for this episode, we would like you, if you would like to, of course, uh, we thought maybe you'd like a chance to say your one last thing, and then we swear to God, you can shut up about this podcast forever. Although, realistically, we'd like you to talk about this podcast forever <laughs> yeah. and ever until your actual dying day. Maybe we use a dying breath to talk about it if you want, but I'm getting sidetracked. Basically, we would like you, if you wish to, send us in a 30-second clip of yourselves uh, on what we are calling your last thing, and essentially, basically, anything you want to talk about. It can be your favourite thing from the show as a whole. It could be a small detail that you think we missed that you wanted to mention to add to the collection of all the others that we have. It can be about the characters. It can be about this very podcast. It can be about absolutely anything to do with BoJack Horseman and and Podcast Horseman that you want to talk about, that you want to get your chance to mention. Because we thought it would be nice, much like we started following everyone back with Follow Friday, we thought we would let you also potentially feature on the podcast. We have to say these few little disclaimers, of course, because we have no idea how many we're going to get. We may get two. We may get 200. We may we just don't know. And, of course, there's only so many we could squash into an episode. So assuming we only get the right amount, we will include as many as we possibly can. But if not, we're going to have to try and, like, sort of go make our way through them and pluck our favourites. Not to say the others won't be good, 
but of course needs must so they are they have to be 30 seconds long is the absolute max anything over will just not even be looked at and those need to be submitted in by Thursday the 16th of December the end of play on Thursday the 16th of December anything after that will not be considered it will be going straight in the bin in the bin Michael straight away <laughs> we will we'll we'll listen to it and I'm sure mm. we'll enjoy it but we'll enjoy it yeah it won't be eligible for the podcast so to recap you get has to be a 30 second clip it has to be sent by the end of play on Thursday the 16th and you will be sending them to uh, our podcast horseman gmail account which is incredibly and ingeniously named podcast horseman at gmail.com so Send away, send your voice notes to us so we can include them on the podcast. Anything you want. It is your opportunity to do your one last thing for this podcast. We'd love to hear it as well as we'll be giving you a lot of hours. We'd like to hear yours too. So one last time, Thursday the 16th is your final date. 30 seconds is the length of the of the voice note. And podcasthorseman at gmail.com is where you're sending them to. Okay. That's everything for that bit. Shall we actually go and do this now, Michael? Shall we go and do oh. the final episode of Bojack Horseman? Oh, how's, my goodness. How's your day? You want to read your shopping list? You want to just talk about how it's work? <laughs> you get through first. Do you know what it is? Funnily enough, I feel, like la- I feel like last week you were ready to dive in and I wasn't ready. But this week, I think I'm ready. I think I'm ready. I'm, uh... Go on. Go on, then. Oh, come on. We can do this. So... Here I go, Michael, to read the synopsis for the very last time, which I thought was last week, but I guess it's technically this week. (laughs) It is season six. It is episode 16, the grand finale of Bojack Horseman. Nice while it lasted. A celebration brings people together. That is the synopsis. That is the reason you and I are here right now, Michael Hamlet, to talk ourselves horse for one last actual episode of Bojack Horseman. Michael Hamflit, for one last time in terms of episodes by episode reviews, the floor, my friend, is yours. Indeed. Yeah, celebration brings people together, but there are two people on the screen as this episode starts. They're not together and they don't appear to be celebrated <laughs> because it is nighttime and Bojack and Diane are sitting together but separate, next to each other but apart. There is fresh air between them. Um, they're sitting at night time somewhere unknown and then suddenly the heart on air from last week's episode beeps above their heads it beeps just as it did last week and then flatlines just as it did last week then the uh, shot fades in to a doctor covering dead Bojack's head then it pulls out to reveal that it's that scene that we once saw from horsing around where the horse tragically died then we see that that scene is playing on the television of Bojack's house or Bojack's old house the night he went back on that bender and put the Blu-ray in the player. Then we see the family that now live there returning home to see the house completely trashed and Bojack floating, presumed dead, in the pool. Then we see a newspaper headline saying, quote, horseman dead. Then it pulls out to reveal it's actually a copy of Variation saying, quote, Headless Horseman, Cinematic Universe, dead at Sony, with an article to the side of it saying, Bojack Horseman, not dead, which is, of course, accompanied by the sneezing Bojack image from the time that he accidentally sneezed on Marissa to me. 
the real Bojack awakes in a hospital bed, which if you listened to our episode last week or you indeed watched the show without skipping the credits, you would know that there was a good chance he was going to survive. This is the confirmation. But he's not traditionally allowed to wake up because he finds himself handcuffed to the side of it and being monitored by Meow Meow Fuzzy Face. This is all formed part of a montage that continues. I'll, I'll give this man his full title, Michael, God damn it, for the last time. Officer Meow Meow Funny Face, that is to you, I think you'll find. I do apologise. He is both a cat, an officer and a gentleman. Officer <laughs> Meow Meow Fuzzy Face is monitoring Bojack in the hospital. The uh, the montage that this has been of these very cute, expositional, gag-releasing sort of uh, pull-out shots has now become a present-day run-through of what is going on with Bojack and indeed what has gone on with Bojack since the last episode. Uh, it turns out that he obviously has been put on trial for at very least the breaking and entering of his own old house. The, uh, the We see the child of the family uh, whose house he broken into, sat being interviewed with Biscuits Braxby, ironically, of course, in the same place that Bojack had his interviews, either the mock-up Filbert set of his house or indeed his real house. Um, he says, we see a poll quote from that interview that says, uh, quote, Bojack scared the Bojeebies out of me. So the montage becomes two things suddenly. It becomes a montage of Bojack's ongoing legal trouble and the instant fame and if, the instant fame of the Bojeebies boy becoming a national phenomenon as a result of his house being broken into. We see Sarah Lynn's uh, parents talking to Tom Jumbo Grumbo. We see Bojack in court and eventually sentenced to 14 months in a supermax prison. The montage stops. Bojack is behind bars, not just any bars, bars that are at floor level. He's literally looking up from behind bars through to the outside world because this shit is real. Bojack Horseman is in prison and what a last cold open. What a last cold open indeed, and they are going at a smash cut pace. But my goodness, do you get every single drop of what's happening here? Uh, what a great! The first time I watched this, I even knew then, but watching it again for the however many, the fourth or fifth time it must be now, maybe. Mm. Um, just what a great! What this show is great at is summarising a lot of stuff going on in a very small period of time. As all good shows should be able to do. Yeah. It doesn't feel like this doesn't feel like Hollywood or Hollywood storytelling, you know, when you get it in a show where you feel like, oh, they've really zipped past some important stuff here. Mm. This person is perfect for all the stuff we're seeing, and it really sets the episode up absolutely exquisitely for us to jump into next. But at the same time, bloody hell, <laughs> bloody hell, <laughs> catch, catch your breath, Michael, because Bojack Horseman is in jail. He's got a prison. Um, and the Bajibis boy has become famous in his wake as oh. well. What a what a brilliant and like spoiler, because we might as well now. He doesn't come up again, but to, to know that he has lifted some free fame from the arrest and imprisonment of our our titular character in his very last episode is quite some flex at the end. The rise and fall simultaneously of Bojack <laughs> and Bajibis is quite <laughs> something. It's uh and it's very pointed that as well, isn't it? I think it's it's really important to hammer home just how young this kid is and how very mm -hmm. similar it looks to perhaps the rise of another young star who once was associated with Bojack Horseman. Oh no, Michael. Oh no. I can't wait for the podcast about Bajibi's boy in 10 years' time that we're going to be doing. <laughs> oh God. I'll see you in 25 years' time because it is happening again. <laughs> so let's continue. I'll see you in 25 years. <laughs> I don't think we'll see Bajibi's boy, sadly, but we will see Bojack, who is in prison. There's a tight shot on him, and he's very seriously um, explaining to somebody who we can't see, saying how nothing is easy, 
but he doesn't think it's too late for them. To put on the best production of Hedda Gabler the prisoner's ever seen, Bojack is back in prison playing the role very similar to the one he did at Wesleyan, which is to, um, I guess, play acting coach, in this case, to a series of prisoners. I'm not going to fake this. I know nothing of the work of Hedda Gabler, but needless to say, the prisoners are all in these, like, sweet childlike makeshift costumes in front of a makeshift cardboard set and they're obviously taking this very seriously there's time on the hands there's a script there's rehearsals the lot you know this feels like a worthy and earned activity and a, a good use of all that time that they've got to spend in there may i may you permit me may you permit me just this one moment michael yeah just just permit me this moment because you know bojack horseman really well at this point i think it's fair mm -hmm. to say uh, you spent enough time with him if you had a guess, Michael, if you had a guess who was the writer of Hedda Gabler, the play, who do you think it might be? Are you about to tell me that it is Ibsen? Yeah, I'm about to tell you, Michael, that it is, in fact, Oh, Ibsen. amazing. I'm sorry, I couldn't leave you hanging no, like that. I couldn't I leave it. you hanging. I love it. Because only Bojack Horseman would finally manage to do Ibsen. <laughs> But he's doing it in prison. <laughs> Kids toys for props. But he is the director. Bojack, in, in the absence of Beatrice to even witness it, has finally become the director of his own Ibsen. Oh, that's magnified the magic of that scene. But he's getting taken away from that. Unfortunately, that will be all we get of Ibsen because we're stuck with Bojack as usual, as Beatrice was for all them years. Because it's time for him to go. He's being released, but it's only temporarily. Uh, and he is greeted at the door by uh, Mr. Peanut Butter, who was loaded with crying puns and enthusiasm for getting Bojack back for this weekend release, this sort of day release that is an extra extension, I guess, because he's one of the very great and good from Hollywood. And it transpires that they're going to a wedding. Um, Mr. Peanut Butter takes Bojack to get a suit. Um, and after <laughs> Bojack inadvertently breaks Mr. Peanut Butter's heart, by pieing off the idea of a small plate lazy Susan based restaurant, uh, which is great because it's at this point you realise he'd never even seen what Peanut Butter did with Elefante when he sold it to him. He offloaded that like the piece of sh it was, and yeah. he never thought to see what it had become. And it's like this was a whole plot point for the what a half a season in our view and life. And Bojack never once took a sideways look at what his one of his only friends was doing with his personal and professional life. So that was a nice reveal at the same time. But because of Bojack's complete disinterest in this desperate sales pitch for Peanut Butter to sell him on a nice small plate lazy season dinner, they end up at the familiar diner, obviously sitting together one last time. They're talking about the wedding, which is between Princess Carolyn and Judah. Them crazy kids got it together like we hoped they would. Um, Bojack gets out... Uh, properly from prison in a few months, but he's genuinely pleased to be attending this wedding. Um, and the main thing is he just doesn't want to screw the whole thing up, um, which doesn't start that well when he splatters his new suit with the contents of an entire meatball sub the second he takes a bite. There's a nice cut to them in the car back on their way and Bojack in a brand new suit, having already gone to have and go and get it replaced, thinking at this point he doesn't want to screw anything else up. Um, Mr. Peanut Butter is talking about how his, his life is going relationship-wise. Says, quote, 
Is My Life a Movie Directed by Christopher Nolan? Because, yes, women are involved, but it's never really about the women. It's about me. And of all the sort of last great seasons to open up, they've just unloaded on, I would say, and we often reference the animals in this show, one of Hollywood's sacred cows in Christopher Nolan has taken an editorialising, deservedly so in my opinion, yeah. both barrels I really appreciated that one, but he's having breakthroughs is the point of that strained as always analogy, is that he is having breakthroughs, he's uh, he's finally figuring his problems with the relationships out and uh, he's pleased to tell Bojack this but the conversation comes to an abrupt end as they have to come to a quick stop at the Griffith Observatory Bojack is <gasps> immediately rattled by this, he looks on the verge of a panic attack but Peanut Butter promises him that it's only going to be a short press event, which may go upwards of two hours, uh, which only further stresses Bojack out when the paparazzi birds, as they were at the very start of the show, are still there at the end. Bojack's a commodity and he's there to be papped. They get, capture a few shots of him out of prison for the weekend. But Mr. Peanut Butter takes a stage. It's, uh, it's not a stage, it's a PB living podium for a very special announcement. He uh, reminds everybody that he is the sweet birthday daddy of Hollywood now. He is a beloved figure in this industry yet again as Bojack had questioned this show what is this show about whatever it is the people have fallen in love with the peanut butter in a nice bit of symmetry from last week's episode when Bojack's uh tv shows his cv I guess was reviewed by Herb as he awaited death Mr peanut butter gets to review his as he is reaching the peak of his life you may remember me from this from this from this from this and now of course from birthday dad but you will most remember me as <laughs> the stealer of the D. Something <laughs> he didn't even skin do. <laughs> and he's saving that for the big reveal. Incredible. In a celebration of uh, Birthday Dad's success and all the uh, newfound glory is delivered to Mr. Peanut Butter, he wants to give a birthday present back. Says, quote, I want to give this whole town the D. D for <laughs> Dad, that is. Birthday Dad, that is. So he has the new D revealed. Goodbye, Holly Woo. Hello, Holly. Woo! As the sheet comes away, and we, it is revealed that the wrong letter has been placed on the sign. This cuts to Mr. Peanut Butter arguing with his sign, guys, at long last. Let's be honest, this is not... <laughs> Bad business deal is done with this people. But in their defense, they did him a B for birthday dad instead of a D for dad from birthday dad. So maybe this one's on them. Meanwhile, all of this, just spending all that time there, the stealer of the D, the observatory, the whole lot, it's Rattle Bojack, understandably, who uh, doesn't think he's going to be able to make the wedding after all. Mr. Peanut Butter reassures him and he notes that he won't leave him at all the whole time. No matter what, unless, <laughs> imagine this, he sees Erica. I don't know if you're aware of Erica, um, but if he sees her and he gets distracted, hypothetically, by some noteworthy aspect of her character or presentation. What I mean, Nicholas, we've had a count this season. You know, what are the odds of that happening at Princess Carolyn's wedding? What are the, oh, cut to, and Bojack is all alone at Princess Carolyn's wedding. We never get that final Erica, but I like the implication. Uh, feels like a nice time to pause just there with uh, with Bojack left isolated at this wedding. We are at the big event that this episode is driving us to. What what a scene, what a moment, what a powerhouse, what a payoff, what an everything. Who is that dog? It's Mr. Peanut Butter. Mr. Peanut Butter. Oh, man. Like, from the second this episode starts and he turns up in it when Bojack gets released for the day, 
That man is a force of good nature, isn't he? <laughs> <laughs> and the best part is, I guess, because, you know, this is a season finale. It's important that we we get the essence of each character that we're going to mm-hmm. visit along the way. Yeah. And Mr. Peanut Butter, of course, coming out with all of his old shtick. Like I say old, <laughs> it, you know, we, it's not like he stopped it at any particular point. No. But he's given us the trademark brand of peanut butter from getting a... I mean, there's no understanding how huge the payoff is of him finally getting to do the biggest sign gag of all. (laughs) And then decides that it's finally time, six seasons later, that he doesn't actually cut them out. He says, but he will strongly consider looking for another sign company at this point. It only took him to make the Hollywood D a B after he didn't even see the first <laughs> Amazing stuff, this. Amazing, amazing stuff. But, Michael, I mean, that's not mince words here either. Mm. Mr. Peanut Butter doesn't ever really get to finish that sentence, and he never will. He no. never will, because much like the whirlwind that he walks in on, he zips away on one, and that, as you will begin to see as this episode unfolds, that is a wrap. On Mr. Peanut Butter. And indeed. what a rap indeed. <laughs> Let's just take a second to say what a rap on Mr. Peanut Butter. It literally encapsulates their whole relationship so, so brilliantly in one quick fell swoop. You couldn't ask for much more, could you? No, just perfect. And a good indication, as you've kind of alluded to there, um, we don't know this on first watch, but that is the end of Mr. Peanut Butter. And on repeat viewings, it's nicely foreshadows how every character is going to get some interaction with Bojack at very least, or at least we hope. And uh, we wonder who might come next when Bojack stares. We get a point of view shot of Bojack looking at two doors. One says to the restroom, one says to the roof. And I'm pretty sure we know he's in that right-hand door. But before he can pick one of them, Todd hurriedly stops him to say there's no time to explain but the fireworks are about to start and they need to go down at the beach so we can sit on Bojack's shoulders this cuts to them doing exactly that with Todd finally explaining it was just because he saw how Bojack was uh, a bit stressed and a bit overwhelmed within the course of the wedding and thought he could use some air like that's great I really think there was probably time to explain that but that's fine But in a nice sort of twist on top of that twist, the shoulders literally just was for Todd to get a better view of the fireworks that are 100 foot in the sky. <laughs> Bojack obviously asks him to get down, but they uh, they have a nice conversation about how they're getting on, about how they're doing. Um, Todd wants to know how we got out of prison. Did a helicopter fly into the side of the building so that everybody could walk out? Which is again, a reminder of Todd once having been at this low ebb that Bojack finds him at and Bojack doing nothing to help him, which was like a deep pull about the, one of the dynamics, the many dynamics of their relationship, but a crucial one to get now as they're having what appears to be a friendly bonding moment. Was Bojack ever there? Todd probably doesn't even know that he's alluding to that, but that's a, a, certainly a nice reminder of it. Um, ultimately, Bojack is, as he was with Mr. Peanut Butter, broadly positive about prison in general. It's given him routine. Uh, it's given him a bit of structure that he so desperately needed. And most importantly, he's going to be his record for being the longest time sober. Obviously, he's not been able to drink in prison, so that decision has been made for him. And Todd, really kindly at this point, really sweetly, 
uh, improves upon that achievement by noting to Bojack that after that, he'll set a new record every single day. The day after that, the day after that, the day after that, each one will be one more day that he's not had a drink. But Bojack does worry about being able to uphold that when he leaves prison. But Todd, in uh, just a most magical Todd of ways, uses his own analogy to explain to Bojack how he thinks everything might just be okay. He says he was uh, doing the hokey pokey with some staff in his office the other day, and it kind of gave him that meaning of life moment, that, uh, that come to Jesus moment, one might say, if one was obsessed with the idea that this was in fact the face of God in the form <laughs> of a cartoon horse's slacker mate. Um, and he says he'd worked out the real meaning of the hokey pokey is simply that you turn yourself around. The song even says it. That's what it's all about. So if Bojack relapses, he'll get sober. And then if he relapses, he'll get sober again. Bojack will simply do the hokey pokey with his problems, but he'll turn himself around. Todd uses an example of the growing relationship he's got with his mother that has its ups and its downs and its awkwardness, but they are getting there together because they are turning themselves around. And Bojack appreciates the sentiment tremendously, but does question if the lyricists really meant that when they wrote it and then todd says quote isn't the point of art less what people put into it and more what people get out of it let me answer that for todd if i may no the point of art is to do a podcast on it you should know that by now i was i was about to say man i think todd is that literally this is this is what i have to do for the whole show this <laughs> <laughs> it's um it's a really sweet moment between them anyway um, but what's great is that Bojack can't tell if he's lost his point at this point. And Todd says, quote, oh, well. And then it was nice while it lasted. Huh? Huh? They, uh, they Do stand... you get it? Do, Do you, you get, it? get the joke? Do you get it? They stand together as the waves drift in. They stand on the beach together, just looking out onto the fireworks. It's a nice scene. And as we did say goodbye to Mr. Peanutbutt before, we are now saying goodbye to Todd. We are spotting the trend here, intrinsically character-based moments with Bojack one last time at this scene, as is the case in finales, where for some reason everybody finds themselves drawn together. We've had Bojack and Peanut Butter. What did you make of Bojack and Todd? Hooray! Staying out of trouble, at least. <laughs> That's I'll take it straight from Todd's mouth, because... What a wonderful little interaction this was, another one. You're going to find me saying that a lot in this episode because, you know, well, I think they do a great job of balancing the difficulty that uh, Bojack is, obviously, the difficult waters that he's navigating, I think it's fair to say at this point. Mm -hmm. um, it's very nice to have these final moments. And it's from from the minute you start to get that impression that this is happening, I don't know, for me, certainly, I'm, I'm sure it was for everybody else who's listened and watched, um, you, you really feel like these are huge moments that we're having here because this yeah. is the last. This is the last time that you're going to get these interactions. Um, I love this. I love Todd taking Bojack to the beach because it's it's dumb. It's a stupid classic. <laughs> it's almost like a, a wink and a nod to how thick and daft Todd's escapades always are. But this one kind of shows a bit of maturity. It's not because of the sake of he wants to just do a daft thing. He genuinely wants to just take Bojack away from a quite overwhelming situation. Um, mm -hmm. And it's funny seeing how different these two characters are, like drastically different they are now to what they were. And yet it feels like the first time in a long time we've seen them be Bojack and Todd. Which yeah. is, you know, we've had nearly a full season prior to that where it's, 
and no go really, and maybe even a season and a half, truth be told, where mm. you know that we've seen the deterioration of the friendship and then the sort of distance and certainly on Todd's end of things. Just nice to see them come back together in and in a daft way. And only Todd could take the hokey pokey and find something deep and meaningful inside of it, like <laughs> omnipresent, some might even call. Indeed. And and just apply it to that. And and I think in a way, is this not the writers, Michael, saying to you and I, like, we can do it. We're that good. We can do this with anything. We can take anything. They might have even had a little jar where it was just put some song titles in here and we'll pull one out and let's make something deep and meaningful out of this. Because I swear to God, Bojack says, I swear to Todd, perhaps I should say, <laughs> Bojack says that he's not sure if Todd is being, like, really wise or really dumb or whatever he says. Yeah. And I was sat there feeling exactly the same. Because <laughs> I'm sitting there thinking, you turn yourself around. <laughs> it's incredible. Honestly, I had an, a, a note in the margin alluding to a very similar thing. The idea that within the writer's room, with so little time left to take one last big swing, I guess, yeah. artistic, artistically, and knock it out the park, as you would expect them to do. And do it in such a way, and this has been two characters in a row, so at this point you kind of your emotions are in check with where the rest of this episode might go, to find such profundity without ever compromising the integrity of the characters. Yeah. Um, they've not, like, thrown the baby out with the bathwater as so many TV shows do where the characters... I'm not going to name a name, but hypothetically, let's say that within a relationship, one character lets go of another and then literally lets them go into the sky to float away. I'm not going to name any names. <laughs> Don't you name names. Don't you name names. Let's just say it's how I met the, one of the most depressing finales of a sitcom I'd ever seen. But it's, like, it, it's how I met not your dad. <laughs> <laughs> I just there is a, and I understand why shows do it. There is a reach for profundity. It's how I met your mother, everyone. It's how I met your mother. <laughs> do you get it? I'm saying it. Do you get the joke? Because you they deserve it. to be called out for this bullshit but I'm not even going to give them the time after this on this episode, this final episode of the greatest TV show, or one of them, certainly, that has ever lived in the, in the atmosphere. Shut up, How I Met Your Mother. <laughs> Carry on, Michael. It's you dead most people. It's not on. It's not on, Justin Radner. Um, <laughs> and I, what, I'm, what I was trying to defend them, and now I feel no need to do so, is that a lot of TV shows attempt something like this in the finales or in their closing episodes, the big run-up, the sort of thing, because it's like, well, people expect it. People want their emotions to be met by the thing that they've emotionally invested in, and that's an art form. And much in the same way, I was moved to praise The View from Halfway Down last week for capturing something that I'm not such... Well, literally no human being has ever been able to articulate they have found a way where lots of human beings have failed to articulate it and make it work perfectly. And you've had two in a row here and you think, well, I know who's coming next and I know who's coming after that and we're going to get those two. And that's a nice feeling when you're watching it. It's really, really is a satisfying feeling all around. And I think you've hit the nail on the head here. And I just the only thing I want to add there is that there is not a single moment so far in this episode where you don't feel like this is legitimately 100% exactly as true yeah. to each character as could possibly be. We're not seeing something suddenly out of character to facilitate a plot. Everything to this point has been so much of a flashback, callback within like their own 
ways have been, whether it's been, you know, the catchphrases. We haven't heard Todd do a hooray in forever, mm-hmm. and he drops one in here just to remind you of how funny that guy is and how great it is. But we still get the the depth of each relationship as what we've had so far. And I, unsurprisingly, I don't think this is a podcast a podcast spoiler or an episode spoiler. You can probably imagine it's going to continue in the same vein. Well, it's funny you mention that there has not been a single betrayal of any characteristic up to this point, because we go back to the wedding and Bojack Horseman eats some honeydew with disgust and realises it's not that bad. (sighs) Who would have known? All those wasted years, all those wasted buffets. And it's at that point, when he has finally made his peace with Honeydew, that he finds Princess Carolyn, or more specifically, she finds him. She's full of beans. She's really genuinely pleased to see him, of course, as the overjoyed blushing bride would be, I guess. Um, They have a little bit of a chat, a bit of a catch-up. She explains that Judah is working on a project because it turns out this is not the real wedding. It's an industry one. She explains to Bojack how the real thing works. Last week, they had the proper wedding for all the family and friends and all the close people. But this week, a bunch of talent get invites, they network, they have their phones taken off them, and she ends up as a producer for all the projects they come up with. God damn it, Princess Carolyn is the best at this. Get on her level. She she lets Bojack know that a Hollywood is absolutely buzzing, for uh, the horny the horny unicorn and i guess the potential comeback story that bojack might be able to shape when he gets out of prison and at first bojack in the same way he's been throughout the rest of this episode is wary about any version of life from like the other side of prison but as he warms to the idea which he has done before when princess carolyn has planted even the smallest of seed she immediately retracts she can see that she is panicking, seeing that already she is just awaken that monster that she's woken so many times before. And it's, again, we talk about sometimes how the understated animation of the, the facial expressions of these animal people, like they, should, they, they need to go and mention here because she's kind of trying to chip in and go, well, wait, hold on. But the whole time her face is consumed with worry because she sees that it's not taken that long before he ends up trotting down that path that he's done so many times before. She's very much opened the gate and he's raced through. He's kind of repeating all of his old mistakes. But that gradually calms down when a song comes on and they agree to dance together. It's awkward at first, as you would guess it might be with two people with the kind of complex relationship that Mr. Peanut Butter, excuse me, Mr. Peanut Butter, Bojack and Princess Carolyn have had both personal and professional in the past. But it's that kind of sweet awkwardness where things are different now. They know it's different and they finally find their rhythm very literally together. Bojack explains that he uh, foresaw a sitcom style disaster. I guess the kind we were maybe alluding to before, where um, he somehow saves the wedding. But Princess Carolyn notes that none of that was ever going to be necessary. She never really needed saving. She was good to go. She asks out of interest and out of curiosity how he would have done it. And he says, after offering at first a kind of rubbish aside, a lazy, very Bojackian answer, he then kind of takes a second thought and says that um, he would have told her that she deserves to be happy. And if this makes her happy now, then it's worth doing. She's there because Princess Carolyn thought it was a good idea. And you listen to Princess Carolyn because she's the smartest woman I know. He then says after the fact that if he gets back in the business, if gets back in the business, he's going to need somebody. He's going to need some representation. And she says earnestly that she can recommend some excellent people. She lets out the most contented of exhales, again, in contrast to all of those sighs, whether it be worried or angry or concerned or unsure, all of them in the past 
this one is genuinely relieved, contented, and assured that maybe, just maybe, things might turn out okay in the end, and they dance some more. Honestly, man, this was wonderful. Superbly sweet, and just a very, very complicated relationship to sum up this one. Mm-hmm. But of course, they managed to pull it off so bloody well. Yeah. I will I will say this, that the one thing I love the most about this interaction, which I think is super important for us, the viewer, to see that things are different, the times have changed, but also just to like to really highlight how difficult it is for all of these people. They've invested, much like us, so much time and energy into Bojack after all these years. Mm. Uh, and time and time again have, have, you know, either sometimes enabled them, sometimes they've been part of the problem. But also sometimes when they've been trying to be the solution, he has not accepted it. He's not uh, taken heed of their warnings or anything like that. And he has ended up going down the path regardless. I love the way that Princess Carolyn has invited him here. She's brought him to the do. Obviously, yes, she didn't bring him to the friends and family one, but I feel like that mm-hmm. made sense. Um, but most importantly, she keeps him at the length that she wants to keep him at. Like, in yeah. this whole conversation, anytime he tries to steer into, which is why I feel like she's so panicked a little bit when she sort of can see herself inadvertently stroking the Bojack Horseman ego and mm. the, the sort of cog starting to turn again about how he could make this big comeback. Because especially when he, he talks about how he, he thought he might have had to come and save her and, you know, typical Bojack stuff, the day was always going to be yeah. about him and all this kind of thing. I like that she just, she's not cruel about it, but she's very matter-of-fact about it. Just, I wouldn't have needed that. I'm not gonna, I don't need that. Like, oh, it mm-hmm. was never going to happen. Or the scenario, every time he kind of goes there, she kind of just bats it back and says, not yeah. in a nasty way, but just saves it back to say, times are different now. Like, this, is, this isn't it. Like, and I'm in control of this. This is my day. And, and this relationship is on my terms because it's been on his for so long that I feel like she deserves that at least. I know it's a two-way street of friendship and a relationship, but I also feel like it's very a very lovely place at the end because mm-hmm. Princess Carolyn wants to help but doesn't want to be the one who's helping. And that yeah. that little moment at the end there where she says, I can recommend some excellent like people. They both look like they've accepted that really, really nicely. He's not wrong, as well we know, um, when he calls her the smartest person he knows because what she has done, without even being aware this was a thing, has addressed every concern that he allayed to Peanut Butter and Todd in the first two interactions. Mm. He has expressed all these issues about life after prison, and she has, at the very end of their interaction, perhaps found him the safe path to take. So even when she's not intending to, she's providing for him in ways that almost nobody else can. It's like elite level management, this, isn't it? She's she's so good. She has literally reached a level where the one thing that you might have even said is a blemish could have been on her on her history the mm-hmm. one client she could never fully manage properly to success for both parties was bojack horseman and ironically not as her client now but as i guess a friend maybe we'll call up call him still perhaps an acquaintance at this point i don't know um she manages this whole situation brilliantly and and for the most part aside from that one little wobble where she almost uh sends him down the path of overindulgence and excitement about his potential future prospects she manages him exactly the way she wants it the bojack horse manager michael oh very nice very nice hey. 
What's that phrase? That's that awful corporate training speak about managing your monsters. Managing and she your doesn't, monsters. She doesn't want to do that anymore, so she's just going to instead find somebody else to do it. <laughs> and he yeah. doesn't need to be a monster. Um, I, that's about it, I think. Um, this has been Bojack Horseman. This has been Podcast Horseman. We're very <laughs> grateful. I, I always forget this bit. Um, hi. I, I don't know if you've got any hidden... They kind of wrapped it, so I don't know if there was any hidden... Well, I don't know if you Gags. saw. There was one, there was one tiny hidden gag I noticed. Uh, there yeah. was um, there was two signs on uh, some doorways. I did see them. Yeah, one of them was a downward sign that was sort of leading to the restrooms, and yeah. there was another one that was like an upwards arrow pointing to the roof. But I didn't oh. think there was anything in that, so I just left it. Let me just check. I've got another page of notes. Sorry, we're stuck to the back. So Bojack goes to the toilet. He uh, he stops for a long time to have a picture. <laughs> No, no, he doesn't. He goes to the roof. Oh, you tease. Give the people what they want, God damn it, Michael Hamflit. <laughs> he goes to the roof for who else but Diane. She's out of the way and smoking, obviously. What else does Diane do on roofs at parties? Um, they exchange pleasantries. They check in on each other, how life's going. As we've seen with Bojack and all the other characters, Diane is still writing kids' literature. She, um, she griefs him slightly for working with Vance Wagner for the upcoming release of The Horny Unicorn, which is interesting that it's gotten out enough that even though it's not released yet, it's the kind of the talk of the industry. It's probably something she's heard about at this very wedding. Um, but all of this, ultimately, as well we know, is subtext for the meat of the conversation, the heart of the matter, talking about when they last talked. Diane uh, doesn't have her phone on her, as per the rules of the wedding, the networking event but she wishes she could to play him the last voicemail Bojack left her. Um, all as She assumed uh, he was sober and he was getting on with life as she was in the process of getting on with hers in Chicago on the verge of moving to Houston. Um, and obviously that wasn't the case, but it was only when she got this voicemail she found out. We hear through Diane what Bojack actually said that night before he collapsed in the pool. Quote, I'm going swimming. Nothing matters and nobody cares about me. So I'm going swimming. There's a slight break where Bojack stops to try and apologise, but she ploughs forward all the same. Call me back if you don't want me to go swimming. Otherwise, I'm just going to assume you don't care. What a piece of shit. She thought he was dead. She, uh, she couldn't find out if he wasn't dead for seven hours. And in those seven hours was left to blame herself for the potential death of her former friend Bojack Horseman. He swears blind that he just wanted to talk to her. He doesn't remember the contents of the message. He just remembers the feeling of needing to speak to Diane. But she was so angry that Bojack could still have such a power over her, even after all this time, still have such a hold over all of emotions. She says she's not angry now. She says that the time has passed. Um, she, does, she does admit that she wished she could have been the one to save him. And she resents that he always made her feel like that was her job. Um, Bojack, again, tries to deny it, tries to apologise, but ultimately he knows he's banged to rights. She's got him here. He didn't go up expecting this, having had the previous interactions with all the other people he was glad to see outside of prison. Diane kind of tries to sum this little section up and says, quote, maybe it's everybody's job to save each other. I don't know. Anyway, I'm glad you're alive. You know, bare minimum at the very least. She notes that when Bojack sent the voicemail, it was her and her then boyfriend that were about to move to Houston, but it scared her, so she stayed in Chicago instead. They uh, they tried to make it work long distance, but it was hard and it was stupid. 
So Bojack, of course, has to answer the obvious. Oh, so he broke up? Nope. She reveals a wedding ring. Her and Guy got married. The first sigh of relief you are permitted to take in this scene is a long, contented exhale, much like Princess Carolyn's. Uh, Bojack says he can't imagine her as a, a wife in Houston. Uh, and she says, quote, I wear fewer jackets, I smile more. Perfect. Perfect. Mm, All yeah. I've ever wanted for Diana over six seasons. Fewer jackets, are smiling more. It's the same her, she says. It's uh, Los Angeles, Diane included. But the fact she hasn't freaked out is a good sign. And she's finally starting to figure herself out. She was concerned about how returning to LA for this wedding would be about seeing some of these old familiar faces. And Bojack, in this really great moment of understanding and link between the two that really nobody else in the show ever had asks her knowingly if part of her wishes that that had happened a little bit and she does that little oh, teeny bit she admits that yes she kind of wanted that old time but she is relieved that it's gone he asks her quote you ever missed a mess and she says quote i'm glad i lived in la but i'm not nostalgic for it i'm glad i knew mr peanut butter even though he's not in my life anymore i think there are people who help you become the person that you end up being and you can be grateful for them even if they were never meant to be in your life forever. I'm glad I knew you too. There's a pregnant pause. Bojack replies, quote, wouldn't it be funny if this was the last night we ever talked to each other? And she cannot answer that. We get the somber key in a minor scale that we've heard so many times before, one last time. It rings out and it rings loud and long. Bojack shambles for the right thing to say to just try desperately to move this silence forward. But she finds her words first. She takes control of the conversation. Quote, I need to tell you thank you. And it's going to be okay. And I'm sorry. And thank you. She gets up to leave. She's fighting back tears at this point. But he asks her to stay, if only to listen to his funny story, which he then admits is only really kind of funny. But she stays nonetheless. Um, the piano back in switches to the major key at the very least. So we like to think as viewers this one last time we are out of the woods for that. Um, and Bojack tells a story about movie night in prison, about how all the prisoners favoured one movie. Now they favour the other movie. It's just a case of learning to accept new things and how this is kind of dogged movie night in prison for the last 14 months. But, you know, what else is that I really do? Um, they are at least able over the course of this conversation. And again, we get the sweetness. Again, it's almost obscured in this very meaningless anecdote and this meaningless story. But we get the profundity we wanted with these two, which is this witty repartee that Bojack has never had with any of the characters, that arguably Diane has never had with any of the characters. And they get it exchanging pleasantries on the most trivial of topics now where they have gotten the big stuff out of their system. It's relatively meaningless, but it's just amazing to see them really in their groove all of a sudden, even if, as Diane alluded to, it could be for that one last time. Diane is sympathetic to his general plight in prison, but Bojack is pragmatic. He says, quote, life's a bitch and then you die, right? And then Diane replies, quote, sometimes, but then sometimes life's a bitch and then you just keep living. She breaks on that thought and says, it's a nice night. And then Bojack replies, yeah. This is nice. I mean, it's quite nice, but crickets fill the silence. Bojack looks at her with a smile, but she doesn't return his gaze. The camera pans up from them ever so slightly, just up from the roof, to return to the exact same shot we saw in the opening seconds of the episode. Them just sitting together, but separate. Suddenly, Mr. Blue 
by Catherine Feeney plays over the top of this scene of them sitting against the starlit sky. They stare sometimes at the ground, sometimes at the sky. Bojack once looks at Diane. Diane never at Bojack. This goes on for just short of one minute and 10 seconds. An age in television time, an absolute age. But this, Nicholas, is the opposite of dead air. This is loaded. This is powerful. This is poignant. This looks like nothing, but it is in fact everything. And we get the credits. And this, Adam Nicholas, has been Bojack Horseman. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds. And they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus... Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear, and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Yes, it has. Yes, it has. I mean, what now? <laughs> what now? Good grief. This is... I, I, I don't want to say this lightly. <laughs> I don't want to say this lightly, so I'll say it heavily instead. <laughs> I absolutely loved this. The first time, the second time, the third time, and I'm sure the fourth, fifth time as well I did, and any other future times that I ever watch it. Oh, because there are... When you make one of the best TV shows, it must be so hard to try and come up with a satisfying ending to everything. Yeah. Not just for everybody in the episode, but let's, you know, put it put it bluntly. This is one of the most, if not the most important uh, duo in this entire show. Yeah. From the very beginning through the very end, it was always going to have to be these two. Mm-hmm. You know what? It was probably always going to have to be a rooftop, Michael. It was... Yeah. And it was always going to be no holds barred. Mm-hmm. Anything could be said. Anything could be talked about. We, I don't know. It just felt like those two were where this, it felt like the right place. But never in my life would I have imagined that they would have done one minute and 10 seconds of the two of them sitting at the top of a rooftop, just together, but alone, mm-hmm. with each other, but separate, not speaking but with this, and 10 out of 10, I'm sure it could have been anybody there, but whoever came up with the idea of Mr. Blue 
the incredible song by Catherine Feeney to play over this. Mm. It's it's a really really well put together. This the visuals, the animations, and the animators. We should say we don't we do talk about, but we probably don't ever talk about enough, even though we no. do. Yeah, this is one of those moments because it's a terrifying moment. One hour, one hour. Christ, that would be terrifying. <laughs> one minute, <laughs> one minute and ten seconds of essentially dead air, but with little glances, little mist glances, little fidgeting with hairs, and little. Mm. Not knowing where to look or what to do or how to how to even just how to sit anymore. Like the, yeah. it becomes a difficult space to be in. And yet, Michael, a space you didn't really want to see come to an end, did you? No. Um, I mean, this last scene was just so nice while it lasted. In that we had a bingo. In that, and you know, I'm not gonna chop it on your point that we made just talking about this episode as fans. Um the idea that they knew this was so knowing so they knew that there had to be a feeling of resolution between these two characters that have been searching for any strand of it for six seasons so how do how do you do that you know how do you take these two characters that seem so far away from resolution and give them one how do you bring a sense of closure to a relationship if not for them but for the viewers turns out they did both um how do you not for the last time betray what Diane and Bojack was. How do you not betray them individually and together? And to do it all, which I guess from the prior scenes, we should have expected that they would give it a bloody good go from the, from the prior every other goddamn episode <laughs> of the show. We kind of knew they would. But just to, to your point, and I, I want you to sort of build on it, the idea that the programme makers knew how much everybody wanted to see this go perfectly, but nobody wanted to see it go. Mm. The, and did it like this. Yeah. The amazing thing here is that unfortunately but almost impossibly the only way that this could end well and happily if that's and it mm -hmm. optimistically i think it's fair to say and bojack horseman and specifically uh rafael bob waxberg wanted to make sure that no matter how you know heavy to the subject matter was no matter what they tackled there's always a sense of hope at the end of whether it's mm. a season whether it's an episode and in this case the show as a whole but the thing is that the 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 moment of hope and the optimism, the only way it could be properly achieved is, and let's be honest, these two had to go their separate ways. And while they don't, and while we're watching, they, it doesn't happen. It's heavily, heavily implied that this this is it. And yeah. I can't tell you how much how much I remember sitting there for oh good while afterwards, but for days after I was thinking about the line, sometimes life's a bitch. And then you keep living, and I just the way they the way they've earned the Diane would be the one who could say, "Well, actually, no, no. Sometimes, yeah. sometimes life's not just a bitch, and then you die. Sometimes life's a bitch, and you keep on living, because that's the reality of it. You don't just get the clock out on your terms. Well, maybe you do, but yeah. the point the point being that it's harder to live as we got last week with them. Um, specifically, I'm thinking about Beatrice Horseman doing a performance. The performance of living is the hard part, the the dying part's the easy part. And I just think it just sums up probably both of their relationships, both of their lives rather, quite well. You know, sometimes life's a bitch and you keep on living. I just, uh, magical, Maps, magical. We shouldn't have expected any more. There are going to be so many instances probably in the next half an hour to 45 minutes where I'm going to tell you about quotes that just rocked my world in this episode, <laughs> like I have done for most of the season. 
God damn it, Michael, Bojack Horseman is better than the show you like, isn't it? It is. And, you know, it's funny you ended your speech on that because the one last thing I wanted to add, and then I do want to get to your section, especially for this episode, is it is better than the shows I like, with the arguable exception of two, and I like having the fight. I like having the triple threat between Bojack Horseman, The Wire, and The Sopranos. And it's a, uh, I hold them all to the highest esteem, and they regularly compete with my faction one, two, three, as I'm sure the makers will be desperate to know. And um, the and again, I, I, I don't think this is a spoiler at this point, but I know we've alluded to events in those shows, so I'm going to try and be as delicate as I can here. Uh, life's a bitch and you keep on living. And let's just say main characters, whether they be people or whether they be places or whether they be horses, have to grapple with that as the core message of the finale of all of these shows. And the one thing I always go to, and it was, I was said to you privately, and I think I probably said it on this podcast, I felt like The Wire taught me how to watch television. Mm. And and I can talk about this one in more detail because it's at least spoilerific if you've never watched The Wire. But The Wire always, very early on, told me that what I was watching was the events of a TV show as if I was observing it through like a kitchen window. Mm. You know, as if I was just staring through and looking in and all that was taking place was just something I was getting to watch. What that means is eventually those events are going to change. I don't get to see them play through to an ending. They're just going to happen. And then they're going to happen without me when I walk away from the kitchen. That's what's going to be like. That's what's going to be the reality is the stuff's going to continue on when I'm not watching. This did that. Sopranos does that. Again, I don't want to spoil those wonderful shows, but I certainly think there is something to be said for those of us in the know that realise how special these truly elite tier things are. That there is a, I don't know, a real feeling of satisfaction, not in the neatest of little packages, but in the realest of ones. Yeah, of course there is. And, and you could try and tie an episode up as nice as you want. You could try and tie a season up. You could try and tie a whole goddamn show up as much as you want. But you want a finale that's going to feel true to the source material, that, that birthed the whole goddamn thing. And you mm. also want a finale that genuinely gives you I don't know what I don't know the, the tangible thing I'm trying to think of is that yes hope has always been the message but it's this is it feels like this is how you would deal with real life these the things that we are tackling here are not like and then everybody like yes there was a there was a wedding but brilliantly brilliantly what other show would have the bollocks to have a wedding that you don't even get to see the groom yeah you don't get to see the groom in this episode because the wedding isn't important the wedding is an event that happened while these, while we weren't there, as you say, while mm. we were in a different room, the wedding happened. Two weddings happened while we weren't in the Two room. weddings, yeah. Two. And we never see Judah. We get a tiny glimpse of Ruthie running around, but we never see Judah, which doesn't mean he's not important, by the way. Obviously, I'm sure it was more of a restrictive thing. But every little detail they give you there within this episode justifies perfectly mm-hmm. why certain things have happened. Diane not having a phone because Princess Carolyn didn't want... Uh, Anybody have a phone that the whole do, but it means ultimately we can't. She has to then recall that whole instance oh, from her yeah. memory, which is even worse. All these tiny details give you the kind of finale that we honestly that we all deserve because it's a it's a show that you stick with and you've watched this mm-hmm. horse do some terrible things. Let's not forget anybody who's feeling sad and sorry for Bojack right about now. Let's not forget. Let's not forget all the things that horse, whether we like it or not, <laughs> is a stupid piece of shit. But I don't want to end on a down note, so let's perhaps go and do some horsing around, shall we? Yes, please. The, uh, the part of the show where we go back. For one last time, Michael, we go back mm-hmm. throughout 
the episode right back to the beginning and where you find all of these small details you might have missed, all the hidden meanings behind certain things and all of the Easter eggs within the episode. So we go back to the opening montage of this episode and obviously things are coming thick and fast and I have no problem in letting you all know that this was the longest part of my whole review actually. <laughs> Uh, this this mad cold open that was going at light speed. So let's try and uh, let's try and dive through this. As you mentioned, we get the newspaper of uh, a moment that says like the horseman dead. The gag that we see in that screenshot immediately. Um, we obviously zoom out to see that it is an issue of Variation magazine rather than uh, Variety, and it says headless horseman cinematic universe dead at Sony, and it's an article by <laughs> Grovel Wiggleworm. Um, <laughs> And you'll see in the uh, on the image, you'll see there's a horse, Michael, uh, with the headless horseman on, walking through the woods. And, you know, call me crazy, but it doesn't look too dissimilar to the image of Bojack Horseman with Todd on his shoulders. Perhaps slightly different, but mm. it's there nonetheless. Uh, and the, the little bit of copy that we do get to read is as follows. The long-awaited headless horseman reborn, Fall of the Unrisen, has been officially cancelled after numerous delays, and director <laughs> Guillermo del Toro expressed his regret that the project never came together. Quote, it would have been a real change of pace for me. It was going to be all dark and spooky, with skeletons and strange animal monsters, and maybe some real big robots as well. <laughs> <laughs> I tell you what, man, when Raphael Bob Waxberg decides to get his guns out, he doesn't miss. That oh, man is a top shooter, I will say that much. And I love that the fact that for almost all of them, it's just a situational thing. It's never normally a legitimate shooter, <laughs> unless he specifically tells you, and unless it's Jared Leto. <laughs> I'll ask him about it on the finale. <laughs> um, we also get the little bit to the, to the side of that, as you say, the reveal that shows Bojack Horseman not dead. And that's by Chide Montgomery. And it's just a little quick bit that says, Trouble actor Horseman was rumoured to have died this week, but a report has been released stating, but you can't see the rest, it's been cut off. But the, the thing you can see, of course, is the picture that is used for what was almost his obituary. And then, would you believe it, Michael? Of course, it's the picture of him sneezing on Marissa Tomei. Of course it is. What other picture would it be? Um, there's also brilliantly, as you mentioned, the amazing reveal of, uh, of Bojack Horseman on that screen, having died in the hospital bed and having his face mm. covered up. And uh, the doctor, sort of, time of death, we see the heart monitor has stopped and all that kind of thing. This is amazing because you haven't, this isn't the first time you've seen this, Michael Humphrey. This no. is not the first time you've seen it. You saw this happen in the very first episode of Bojack Horseman. Season one, episode one. This wow. episode. Is it that far back? It's that far back. They do this as literally as early as the first ever episode of this show. And Bojack says it's because after he's had an anxiety attack, if you recall, in the first episode, he finds himself yeah. in a hospital bed watching that finale, at which point it cuts back. And Bojack says, we may have gone too dark on that series finale. Says. <laughs> And I do wonder if all the way back then they kind of had an idea about how this show was going to end because everybody's been so teased and wondering, is he going to die at the end of the show? Does he have to die to even out his uh, ledger, perhaps? And it turns out, no. But interestingly, another little side note from this episode, which I just couldn't help but take, uh, when you watch it in season one, episode one, the doctor, who has just covered a bojack and called the time of death, says to the nurse, 
it doesn't get easier. It never gets easier, is what he says. And I just couldn't help but think about what happens in season two with the baboon who says it gets easier, but you've got to do it every single day. That's the hard part. What a contrast of the two. Amazing. And that's the kind of deep dive we're getting. And we're not even through the opening montage. (laughs) We go across to MSNBC, and I swear to God, I'm going to say this man's name slowly, and I'm going to say it twice in this review, and then I never want to hear about this stupid fucking whale ever again. <laughs> right? Tom Jumbo hyphen Grumbo. Very good. If I've Very got good. that wrong, imagine the irony if I've somehow written that down wrong in my notes. I looked it up so many times. We've got his name wrong on multiple occasions on this oh. show. I figured we should at least get it right for the finale. MSNBC with Tom Jumbo Grumbo, who is talking about Bojack, and the screens will show you Bojack is on trial, and the department says the court before the horse. You see, rather nice. than the cart before the horse. You see what he's done. But impossibly, Michael, the funniest bit of all of this is that we have seen there's an incredible sketch that's been done of Bojack Horseman, presumably mm-hmm. from a court, uh, the court artist. You know, they do their little sketches because yes. they can't take the full Yes. Well, they certainly used to have to. I don't know if that's still the case. Um, impossibly, Michael, the court artist sketch. Is a modern version of Bojack with the grey hair and the jacket and all that <laughs> sneezing on Marissa Tomei. Impossible, but brilliant. But was she in the public gallery, do we wonder? Who like, knows? Is it... She may well have been in the public gallery. Who knows? But he still sneezed on her, nonetheless. <laughs> um, <laughs> timeless classic, this. A timeless classic. Um, we then get a shot of Bojack walking past the paparazzi. As you mentioned, we see the two bird journalists from the, the very first season um, who are taking pictures of Bojack as he's moving along. He's walking through. There's also a woman there, and I will leave this to the listeners because I unfortunately ran out of time, could not find her despite a lot of searching. Uh, a woman with uh, a hat on that literally says press on it. It's got like a bit of paper in the hat that says press. And I'm sure she's been there to take a big scoop off someone earlier in this, one of the earlier seasons, maybe someone leaking the lid on something to do with Bojack. And I couldn't remember where it was. So if anybody knows and remember, please do let us know at Podcast Horseman. I feel like a hack for having to ask, but I just ran out of time. It was <laughs> being far too time-consuming for a tiny little moment in the episode. We see then a, a, a shot of the magazine Drama Weekly, Michael, um, which... Has quite a lot going on, would you believe? Uh, and a wonderful way to kind of give some nods to uh, characters from earlier seasons, as you'll kind of get the gist. We get a lot of that in this episode. But the, the magazine is called Drama Weekly. You'll see the main headline is Bojack scared the bejeebies out of me. And we see horrified boy tells his story. A little picture of the boy on the Biscuits Braxby show with like a split screen half and half picture of Bojack. The image of him sneezing on Marissa Tomei has been flipped. So it's based <laughs> the little boy <laughs> to make this thumbnail for the uh, for the magazine, which is incredible. But, Michael, not as incredible as some of the guests that feature on Drama Weekly magazine. We see in the top corner that Andrew Garfield finally talks about his harrowing hair scare. And he's still wrapped up in bandage. If you remember rightly, Michael, Andrew Garfield was one of the victims of the Halloween in January store that yes. had nothing in it as he fell down <laughs> and really hurt himself. Um, poor guy, it seems, has only just recovered, which is a season one callback. And funnily enough, Michael, we got a season two callback as well. Coma Survivor awakes from second coma. And you will see <laughs> it is, of course, Wanda 
who was Bojack's partner in season two. It turns I out, Michael, that, not, yes. she's woken up from a second coma and now she's been named the president of Gronkle, <laughs> which is the, 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 the fake. Oh, of course she does. It's the fake streaming service, I think, at that point it is or whatever, <laughs> but it's wonderful. Uh, we get another little <laughs> side by side at the bottom that says, Judge Clunas has been sent to prank rehab <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> with an image of him sort of with his hand over his mouth laughing as you can see a car on fire in the background and then on the other side of the uh, the two shot you see him in rehab with a face like a smacked bottom uh, and then next to him is the last one here is um, Ethan Hawke and Emu Thurman uh, talk about old news and new rumours and it's obviously meant to be Ethan Hawke the actor and Uma Thurman but one is an emu and one is a hawk, Michael. Would you believe it? There you go. That's what we get from Drama Weekly. Um, I've, just, I've just written down there, just a wonderful vehicle. As they will, you'll see throughout this uh, this sort of montage in particular, they've tried their best to cram as many characters, like a small part of characters as possible, just to give everybody their own little tiny send-off, uh, if they, whoever is deemed fit. Uh, we also see... Um, an episode, Michael, of speaking of which, of Morning Time Hollywood, which I feel like we haven't seen in forever, but is, of mm. course, a Ryan Seacrest types show that he hosts. And he can be seen on there with the little Bojeebies kid. And there's a little uh, tag at the bottom that, that says, hashtag Bojeebies kid takes America by storm. And <laughs> if you're watching the visuals, a, a Ryan is laughing his head off as the kid is reenacted Bojack in the pool, <laughs> drowning in the pool. Uh, he's cracked up and I just thought it was horrible to see how the tar from Hollywood continues as the young act like the, I say the young kid is now mm. being shot the superstardom during all these horrible events to do with Bojack um, also because of the sort of nature of that you think of the young child actor Sarah Lynn and the young child performer this kid's becoming we do move to a shot of Sarah Lynn's parents on MSNBC Michael with Tom Jumbo Grumbo. <laughs> uh, and interestingly, I th let me get your read on this because I've got Sarah Lynn's mother and her father and Sarah Lynn's mother is holding a picture of Sarah Lynn. The only thing is the picture is back to front and upside down that she's holding and the dad kind of has to correct her and turn it the right way around. I couldn't decide if she was so distraught she had the picture upside down or what I actually think it is, is she actually not that sincere, Michael? And she's just trying to get a bit of attention for her daughter's death. That's the way it felt to me because she hasn't exactly been the best mother, I think it's fair to say. No, there have been a number of uh, references without ever going overt to exactly how much her mother had her best interests at heart, living or dead. And I caught that on a second or a third skim through that opening montage. And I yeah. did wonder if that was there to imply that this... Yeah, kind, I guess. Um, I, are we is that Sarah Lynn's father, or is that like a? Yes, no, it is. It's definitely a father. Yeah, that is a like a, a man that hasn't really been mentioned before because it's always been that kind of like pushy mother stereotype. I guess it's always been her that's been more in charge. I did think that was a another jab at her for not being the most thoughtful as relates to her deceased daughter. Slightly insincere, I think, is what I was the yeah. vibe I was getting. Um, but but now for a wonderful, wonderful little collection of people, we go to Bojack in court. And of course, Michael, what happens in court? A jury decides your fate and we get a hell of a jury in this particular courtroom. Anybody who's ever seen Seinfeld, specifically the finale of Seinfeld, will probably have been feeling some similar vibes going on mm. here. Bojack being put to task by a jury full of disgruntled people made up. <laughs> 
of his hit list from seasons one through to six. I'll do the back row and the front row. The back row is as follows. From left to right, we see, I believe it's Pam, who is the woman who he sleeps with in season one. The blonde-haired woman who's with her friends at Bellican's Bar, I think it is. Oh, yes. Who he basically says, when they're all taking videos of him, he sort of gives her a bollocking for like, mm-hmm. you people are all fake. And then, But he does call her pretty at one point, I think she says, and they go home and they sleep yeah. together. She is there. And then next to her is Veronica Michael, who is the bird woman PA who kept getting the door in the face during the filming of Hollywood stars and celebrities. Oh, yes. Find out, you will recall her. Uh, she got a numerous a number of horrible things happened to her during that film, and Bojack definitely hit her in the face with a door at one point. <laughs> uh, also next to her is the elephant in the room, Michael, who you may remember from season two. It was an elephant man who was doing DIY, I believe, from Lowe's <laughs> building company. He was actually making Bojack's auto-erotic asphyxiation contraption, yeah. uh, if I recall correctly. And it was when he and Wanda walked in the room and she said, let's talk about the elephant in the room. And he takes the hoof on and walks out of there saying, you know, just, oh, just, I don't, oh, and just walks out. And Bojack says, he's never going to forget that. <laughs> do, you, do you ever feel, when you recall a gag like that, and you must encounter these a lot more than I do, do you ever feel that you can't quite believe that that's the show that we did a podcast about? I know, it's as, amazing. As we sit here on the precipice of its ending. How is it a sentence that I have to say that one of the jury members is the elephant man doing the DIY on Bojack's autoerotic asphyxiation contraption in season two? <laughs> <laughs> Wonderful stuff. Oh, also, Michael, next to him is an even more disgruntled Sandro, who you will recall was the waiter that Bojack fired from Elefante, who completely picked up the wrong end of the stick initially as Bojack yes. and Princess yeah. Carolyn were arguing. But then Bojack had to fire him because he actually kicked off with him and went mad, who did, of course, eventually end up going on to open up Sandro's place, which became the other eating, dining experience that we would sort of mm. pop in on throughout season. So he's there. We also get next to him a, a fish woman, Michael, who you may recall was the fish woman contestant from Felicity Huffman's Booty Academy, who Bojack <laughs> Horseman gets to sleep with Miles the intern, uh, who was he was trying to distance from Hollyhock to prove that this Miles guy was dodgy, but mm-hmm. she of course sleeps with the PA, not the intern. She sleeps with the actual PA, so yes. it all goes a bit wrong for him. And at the very end of the back row, we have Beyonce, Michael. Of course we do. Oh well, yeah. Beyonce, who's still furious because she sprained her ankle, if you will recall, <laughs> after Bojack was throwing money off the rooftop. If you remember when he was trying to be a celebrity, it was causing all kinds of problems to distract everyone from the Hollywood D being uh, floated away by in a helicopter. We then go to the front row of the jury, and there's the there's a mantis shrimp man who is on the left hand side, who was in fact a worker at the salt water taffy factory that Bojack exploded. Uh, in the episode Fish Out of Water and seemingly didn't have any consequences for until now. Not to interrupt your mid-flow with a mid-row, should I say. Of course. What a, what a gag this is, by yeah. the way. <laughs> like the greatest its collections of the people he's wronged. What a, it's incredible. It's, it's, good show this. Good show. Good show this. Like I say, you, you, Seinfeld had to walk so that this jury could run, but mm. or gallop, I guess it is in this case, <laughs> but nevertheless, it's still fantastic. We also get next to the Mantis Shrimp, we get Tilda Madison, who you will recall is the Siamese cat woman, who was an old flame of Bojax who we meet while he and Hollyhock are trying to find out who Hollyhock's real mother is. She's one of the yes. many women we visit on that particular trip. We also, Michael, get Wallace Shawn, who you may or may not recall, uh, Bojack insults 
Um, he insults his acting because he was hired to play the role of Bojack in the film Mr. Peanut Butter's Heist, which is of course, <laughs> the film adaptation of the episode Our Story is a Our A Story is a D Story, where Peanut Butter steals the D from the yes. Hollywood sign. Um, also in there, Michael, of course, if you were talking about people who Bojack Horseman has wronged, you couldn't have a jury without Neil McBeal, the Navy SEAL, Michael, who we all remember is the SEAL who Bojack steals the meal from, which is, of course, mm-hmm. the muffins in uh, episode, I want to say it's two, in Bojack Hates so. the Two, so, yeah. episode mm-hmm. two. Uh, we also get Michael next to him is one Daniel Radcliffe, who you may recall that he clashed on, and I'm not going to say the full title, but I will abbreviate it, seeing how it is the last episode. He clashes with him on H-W-S-A-C-W-D-T-K-D-T-K-T-L-F-O. Oh, very good. Which is Anybody who goes back and listens to those old episodes will remember I used to put Michael through the ringer with that one. Thank God. The tables have turned. And finally, at the very end of the front row, Michael, you will see the flat cap and flannel shirt man who we've seen many oh, times. Oh, yes. He's sitting right on the end. A suggestion here, perhaps, because if you will recall, him and Veronica, the mm-hmm. bird Pierre, who kept getting the doors hit in the face, they like sort of knock up a little relationship in this season, in this, in this mm-hmm. show, sorry, at one point. But the fact that they're sat on complete opposite ends of the jury... Suggest to me perhaps they may not be in that relationship anymore. That's just my yeah. read on it. But Michael, the one thing most notably the Bojack has done to this man, worse than anything else. Can you remember? You can't no. remember. But I'm going to tell you anyway. Season one, episode one, there's a flashback to the last time the Bojack horseman ate far too much cotton candy, Michael, and he was oh. sick all over this guy who specifically ever is maybe the first person in this entire show to ever ask Bojack Horseman, hey. Aren't you the horse from Horse and Rome? Oh, yes. Mwah. Delicious. Vomits cotton candy all over this place. <laughs> so he's been waiting patiently for this grudge, and now we get it. Anyway, there is also a shot where we see the rest of the audience in the court. I'm not going to run through all of them because there's not really a bunch of significant people in there. You'll know them if you see them, and we are also tight for time. So I will say the rest of the audience is there. And there's some interesting people in there for you to go and find. We then see a shot. Of, this is still the opening montage, by the way. We then go and see a shot of the LA Gazette, Michael. Um, and from that shot, we will see. It says, the Bojibis kid signs with Gersh. Uh, and then you'll see a little bit of him. Um, he's sort of stood on the front posing. Um, but this is this is the, the main headline, I should point out, as Bojack's story, where he is sentenced, a horseman sentenced to 14 months in the supermax, is such apparently a non-story that it is one of the small stories below the Bajibis kid signing with Gersh. Um, <laughs> it says, you know him, you love him, and one thing's for sure, you'll definitely never get tired of him. Spanky Pankerton. Better known... <laughs> <laughs> Better known as the Bajibis kid who found actor Bojack Horseman half-dead in his new home and spun that fear into a quirky quip that took the world by storm, has just signed with the Gersh Agency. Along with his upcoming stand-up special, Bojibis, he's also appearing (laughs) this season on Dancing with the Stars and embarking on a book tour for his recently published book, Bojibis Kid, My Journey. (laughs) (laughs) I love this. I love this commentary. 
However, Michael, I would be remiss to not mention the other little bits of news and stuff that are floating around inside the LA Gazette. As I mentioned, we get the little Bojack story there. Next to that, though, because there's a whole section called Also in the News, we get the Bojack story. Next to that, it says, New Jack Swing Revival shows no signs of slowing. It says, it's back again, baby, and it ain't never going to go home. New Jack style is dominating pop culture like never before, except for 1981, which was directly comparable. <laughs> but also... <laughs> Most notably, next to that one, Michael, one you'll have been happy to see, I'm sure, Margot Martindale steals the spotlight in classroom warfare, the very thing that kept her out of going to jail. The, uh, the little bit of text says, long overshadowed by her famous co-stars, character actress Margot Martindale is finally making headlines of her own after making off with a large spotlight from the set of her new film. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, brilliant stuff. Brilliant, brilliant stuff. Also, excellently, you can kind of just get a little glance of um, the crossword puzzle on the other page, and it's just got a few of the um, a few of the clues for the across section of that. So at number one, we've got doohickey. At number five, we've got oh, and then a bunch of underscores with an exclamation mark. We've got number nine, birthday dad holiday. <laughs> number 14, what's a magic? <laughs> number 17 director Jannings I reckon you could probably come up with the answer for that one uh, we get number 21 2004 hit for Sarah Lynn we get number 23 White Whale CEO do you see what's happening here Michael they're making mm -hmm. you remember all of the things we get 20, uh, 25 across Purs which could be I don't know Michael a cat lady perhaps uh, we get number 26 across Vanity Plate for a meerkat maybe we get number 32, <laughs> Shit's Beak Matter Familias. <laughs> <laughs> we also get number 36 across, Lazy underscore. We also get 38, Actress Beale. I wonder who that could be. Number nine, underscore Concoma for one. We get 42, Red Wine, but wine spelt with an H. We get number 46, underscore Stadium. We get number 20, uh, 47, Dingle Bobber. <laughs> number 49 who's a doozy and number 53 what underscore is it right now dot com I wonder what that might be my friend anyway that's the Ella Gazette bit done and dusted or it would be that done and dusted would it not be for the fact I've just realised that I read my notes wrong and there is of course the front front cover of the Ella Gazette that says next flick show review too many giraffe jokes is what it says oh, great there's a whole layer in there I'm sure you want to get into, but that is wonderfully uh, wonderfully done stuff. And and last but not least, as we finally get to prison, Bojack is sort of, we see all the montage, he's in prison, and he gets in, Michael, and finds out that his prison mate is a skunk. And I can only assume that this is funny because he's going to have to smell his farts for the rest of his time in prison. That's a it's a worst-case scenario, isn't it, let's be honest. It's a worst-case scenario, let's yeah. be honest. Because that skunk, no matter how hard he tries, Michael, he's going to have to fart at some point. <laughs> uh, or explode. I should just also point out, this is this, the original song that they make for this montage called So Why the Long Face. Mm. Uh, we don't actually know who the singers are or anything like that, but it's great. It really is good. Go and give it a listen at the uh, montage. This whole thing is wonderful. But finally, Michael, I can go to the opening credits. And <laughs> there is no change there. The cold open is done, and we now go into the actual episode. My God, I'm so sorry. I'm so bloody sorry. <laughs> it's good. Oh, 
So you were given a the, job. You were given a job there. I was. We're in the mm. Supermax, and Bojack is putting on his performance of the player, the Hera Gabla player. And you will notice, Michael, the third prisoner from the left is the man who I am not just coming up with this name for. He's literally credited as this. Is the man known as Cartel Man, Michael, from season one, episode one, who was last seen, I believe, in the Fish Out of Water episode, walking in the background in like a Hawaiian shirt. Um, but interestingly, when Bojack, he's the guy who Todd is forced to put on the his daughter's 15th birthday party at Bojack's oh. house. Uh, after yeah. he is trying to sell drugs on his turf, if you recall correctly, yeah. all the uh -huh. one episode one, and he says to Bojack on that day when she's having a lovely quinceanera, is that what they call it? The 15th yeah. birthday party. Uh, the guy comes, the cartel man comes up to Bojack and says, Senor Horseman, I will never forget your generosity today. You have made a powerful ally for life, is what he says to Bojack in that episode. And after Bojack unknowingly throws that 15th birthday party, Michael. I'm not sure this is how either of them probably imagined how this no. <laughs> ally for life thing would have turned out. But hey, here they are doing a play together in prison. Outside of the Supermax, when Bojack first leaves, Mr. Peanut Butter, of course, as you mentioned, is just full of the jokes. And he's obviously got, what's he got the theme of? Prison. Mm -hmm. And he starts off with a great one. The jury finds you guilty of being a super cool dude. Am I right? <laughs> he then follows on with, I sentence you to life. Filled with my friendship. <laughs> Do you know what, as well, though, just really quickly on that one. When he said that, I thought that was quite a warm yeah. sentiment. Like, he's coming out of prison, he's not going to be on his ass, is he? Like, it's quite oh, nice. I love that he's, yeah, he was there from the minute he left and it was the guy yeah. who came and picked him up. Because he's a good egg, Mr. Peanut yeah. Butter. A good egg. We go to the tailors where Bojack is getting his new suit. And uh, there's a wonderful thing here, which just justifies a tiny change that we got when Mr. Peanut Butter bought the restaurant off Bojack. So, of course, he's asking Bojack about his favourite small plate restaurant, as you have uh, alluded to. Bojack says, a favourite small plate Lazy Susan restaurant? Hell if I know. Mr. Peanut Butter incorrectly hears this as hell if I know, rather mm -hmm. than hell if I know, to which he says, Bojack, it means so much that you would say that. Because, of course, <laughs> They changed the name of the restaurant from Elefante to Elefino, and I'm almost 100% sure it was just for this bloody joke. To do it at one point, because it's funny. And hey, you know what it is? It's brilliant, and it paid off wonderfully. We go across to the Silver Spoon Diner, because of course we had to at least drop in there once, Michael, in the finale episode. Uh, you'll see a few things familiar that we've seen. There's a billboard in the background that is always changing, but at this particular one, uh, it's, it's a bit of a happy ending, I guess, for... Well, maybe for uh, Gina Casador, of course, who you will remember was Bojack's love interest and the woman he nearly killed in season five. Mm. It, see, it turns out, Michael, and I can't remember if we knew this or not already at this point, but uh, I will mention it now. Gina has indeed landed the titular role of uh, Fire Flame in Kelsey Jannon's film, yes. Fire yeah. Flame, alongside Courtney Portnoy, who was, who was originally suggested to Kelsey Jannon's to play the lead uh, by Justin, the fellow, her fellow director. This is kind of cool because it sort of tells you there's, there's proof here that Kelsey Jannon's decided to give Gina a chance at being mm. the, the lead character in this and not going with the Hollywood, um, I guess the Hollywood favourite type pick in Courtney yeah. Portnoy. She casts her as the villain. She casts Gina as the hero of the film. I just thought it was a nice little wink and a nod back to Gina. Also, one I didn't get anything for, but I will leave to our listeners because I thought they might want to maybe ponder it themselves. Um, 
Bojack's first suit is a grey suit with a yellow tie, but he obviously ends up changing that when he spilled, when he bursts a meatball soup all over himself. <laughs> and I just I didn't have anything for it personally, but I wondered if anybody did have anything that they maybe thought that was any significance because of the suit colour and the change. Personally, I realised that the change, the Bojack goes into a blue suit, which obviously perfectly ties into the Mr. Blue element later on in the episode. But maybe that was something that you guys had for the first suit. If there was, let us know at Podcast Horseman. We then go to Peanut Butter's car. Some brilliant bits coming out of Peanut Butter, yeah. As he tries to explain to Bojack about Mr. Uh, about birthday dad, sorry, he comes out with a line, Michael. Those birthdays aren't going to dad themselves. <laughs> <laughs> this is when Bojack is trying to figure out what exactly the show is that he watches. <laughs> Although that he acts in, he just, just, I think we still don't really know what it is, no, but it, sounds, no. it does sound ridiculously good. As you mentioned it already, I would be, I'd have to give this another mention. Is my problem with women any movie directed by Christopher Nolan? Because yes, women are involved, but it's really never about the women. It's about me. <laughs> <laughs> and I, and as, as, as I heard that for the first time, and as I heard it for the fifth or sixth time, fourth, fourth, fifth or sixth time, whatever it is, I knew that you'd love this because Michael <laughs> also has a big problem with Christopher Nolan not knowing how to edit his films down to an appropriate length. So this only adds fuel to the fire. And you know what? He's not wrong either, is he, Mr. Peanut? No, Butter? he's not. He's, he's really not. on the money. Um, but even better, maybe, maybe better. Not, no, not better, but still quite as funny. Mr. Peanut Butter having another revelation says... Are my self-destructive patterns and unexamined cycles of codependency the popular Jim Carrey character, The Mask? Because somebody stop me. (laughs) (laughs) Wonderful stuff from Peanut Butter once again. But then, of course, Bojack asks him, this one, though, I didn't... Bojack asks if... uh, So Bojack is talking to Peanut Butter, and he asks him if his breakthroughs are all phrased in this manner, because he keeps going on about it. And he says, "Um, are all of my breakthroughs a British prog rock band from the 70s? Because, yes. That's it. And, I, and I was like, oh, cool. Yes is the band, but I just didn't know if there was anything bigger or further down the road than that. I don't know. I think that's your lot. And if progs you think, check them out on Spotify. They're not for All me. right, cool. There They're you go. Yeah, it is not... just, because yeah. I thought when he teed up Jim Carrey, I thought he was going to go, yes, man. Yes. And then he mentioned the mask. And I thought like. Yeah, I don't know, man. So other than, other than the band, yes, which I guess is it. I didn't know if there was anything more of that. There you go. It turns out, Michael, some things are just what they appear on the table. Yeah. Who knew? Uh, we go across to the Griffith Observatory. Um, there's a real quick uh, license plate. We see Mr. Mr. Peanut Butter's good boy license plate, which we've seen many times. The truck, though, the TV truck has the license plate X1X, which is, of course, 19 in Roman numerals. But I wasn't sure if there was any more significance to that. I thought if it had been 17, it would have been a nice little wink to the fact that Bojack waited 17 yeah. minutes to make the phone call about Sarah Lynn. But it's not. It's 19 let us know if you have any thoughts on that one at Podcast Horseman. The Hollywood gag is just... I haven't written any further notes apart from priceless on that one because no. it's sensational. It's a it's a payoff, multiple payoffs to multiple different gags have run throughout this show. But the one thing I will note, Michael, is how did they reveal it? Can you tell me how they revealed it? Two they of pulled, the... They pulled the sheet off. They pulled the sheet away from the letter. They yeah. did. But the two people who did it was two Cabra Cadabra drivers, Michael who were flying up towards it on two of Todd's throne drones. 
as they oh, went. Oh, yes. Go and remove the blanket off the top of the letter B that we all thought was going to be a D, but was not. Just to remind you of some of the wacky stuff that Todd has actually brought to life in this show. He was, Amazing. of course, also responsible for the creation of Cabra Cadabra. Um, yes. We go to, well, back to Mr. Peanut Butter's car. And I just thought this was quite, like, an, uh, from Bojack's perspective, quite a difficult moment, but nevertheless, noteworthy. He says, I can't be around people. I can't face them. I'm not ready. And then Peanut Butter says, what do you think's going to happen? And the way that he sort of says this is, was, like, imagine being this guy. I don't know. I never know. I just know that something bad is going to happen if I go to that wedding. And then I loved, of course, the fact that Peanut Butter says later on, well, you'll be fine. I'm going to stay with you. Unless I see my good friend Erica and get distracted by some noteworthy aspect of a character or presentation. But Bojack, what are the odds of that would? <laughs> and that's, that's it. That's literally the end of Peanut Butter. Um, wonderfully, there we go from, from Peanut Butter's car across to Princess Carolyn's wedding. There are a few notable guests at the wedding, Michael. There are others, but these were the ones I thought were the most notable. We see uh, Quentin Tarantulino, who can be spotted there. There's also Pinky Penguin from Penguin Publishers. There's also Amanda Hannity from Vanity Fair. Uh, the manatee woman. There's also Henry Winkler, who you'll know, of course, Michael, from his special guest appearance on Law and Order. Um, <laughs> there's also Ethan Hawke there in the background. You will see also Stuart, her rubbish, uh, Princess, Carolyn's, Princess Carolyn's rubbish assistant is also there. No sign of his sister, his uh-huh. secret twin sister, you know, the one who was the adoption agency woman yeah no sign of her so maybe they just didn't figure it out i don't know i don't know <laughs> um there's also uh, i think it's bread poot who you can see outside michael on the <laughs> terrace, as well as george clunas who pops in in the background naomi watts can also be seen talking to a man uh and i'm not even going to try and find out who the man is because you know what it is how many times have we had some lady in the background michael he can just yeah. be some man um Sextina Aquafina is also briefly kind of seen to the left. There's also Vanessa Gecko. There's a Charlie Witherspoon. Like you just see the side of him. Um, and brilliantly, when we get the first establishing shot of this, Bojack is stood in there, Michael, of course, eating cotton candy, much yeah. like the first time we ever saw him at a party. And, of course, it leads in perfectly to the fact that when he and Todd are first conversing for the first time since we've seen in quite a while, that's exactly how they were doing it at his party in season one. Bojack holding the cotton candy and Todd just about to like re like trigger the flashback that would show us him yeah. sicking the cotton candy on that poor, poor guy. Of course, as you mentioned, the stairs of the party, one sign says restroom and one sign says roof. While we aren't going up to the roof just yet, we knew it was always going to be a destination mm-hmm. later on in this episode. Todd and Bojack, though, Michael, are on the beach. We see them on the beach at this point. And uh, obviously, as you mentioned, he says, how did you get out of the Supermax? Did a helicopter crash into the side of the building? And then you just walked out, which, of course, is the callback <laughs> to exactly what happened to Todd in season one, Indeed. episode six. Of course, our A story is a D story. I loved, hooray, staying out of trouble, at least. Like, the most <laughs> perfect way for Todd to bring that back. Um, but this I'm going to sort of mention in its entirety because I just loved how they managed to... I do think it was a, a writing exercise more than anything else, but it was pretty mm. bloody great. Let me tell you something. I was at the office the other day doing the hokey pokey with some work associates, and I realised everyone misunderstands that song. Yeah, there's way too much emphasis on the hokey cokey part. Bojack says, well, that is what it's all about. And he says, no, that's exactly what I mean. That's not what the song is saying. 
And he talks about his relationship with his mom a bit and how it's changed before saying, it's like the song says, you do the hokey pokey and you turn yourself around. You turn yourself around. That is what it's all about. And I just thought that's so bloody stupid. And yet it's so <laughs> bloody great when it comes to life about making changes and just trying to turn around for yourself, no matter what. And of course, I would be remiss, Michael, if I didn't mention the line that directly applies to us. But isn't the point of art less what people put into it and more what people get out of it? Who knows? Let us know. At Podcast Horseman, what are you getting at? <laughs> um, we go back outside to the party and I love this because there's a there's a bit of a theme going on throughout this episode. Small changes, Michael, to Bojack. Mm-hmm. But Bojack wincing at the thought of honeydew and then trying the honeydew and going, eh, not bad. Yeah. Tells us a few things here. One, has he just always hated honeydew as a bit that he started a <laughs> long time ago and didn't really ever, like, he sort of, he came up with an opinion and just stuck to it blindly because he decided, that's my bit. I'm going yeah. to do a honeydew. Or has he changed and he's tried it before, didn't like it, but now he's tried something different and he's actually turns out he liked it and maybe revisiting it was something he mm. needed to do. I don't know, but there's layers of subtext there. Listen, Michael, sometimes the point of art is less about what you put into it and more what we do. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Um, Amanda Hannity, though, can then be seen in the background dancing with, I believe, the man who gets a tiny orgasm every time there's a power shift. <laughs> If you will recall him from the underground episode uh, where the fracking of Peanut Butter's house drops the entire house into the ground, he's in there getting orgasms left, right and centre, particularly as Jessica Biel becomes the god of fire, pretty much, I'm sure. Yeah. <laughs> um, Princess Carolyn, though, is telling us about, telling Borja about how things are going, and she does mention that she's doing, uh, putting together, Michael, an all-female reboot of 12 Angry Men. It's called 11 Angry Women. And when Borja asks, why not 12? She says, because you've got to leave room for a sequel. She's the brains of the opposition. She really is. Wonderfully, though, Michael, as she's talking about how she's put this second industry word in together, you'll see an establishing shot of Bread Poot, George Clunas, and, of course, Mitt Damon, Michael. uh, (laughs) Characters who I could not possibly begin to imagine who they're meant to represent in real life. But you will see that one George Clunas is just pulling a prank on bread poot he like gives him a whack while he's eating his food or a drink or whatever and then bread poot gets George Clunas in a headlock and they're all just messing around the one thing I've got to ask is I don't know what Le- what Lenin DiCaprio did to not get picked up from the party but he's not there he's not part of it but unfortunately he misses out and bread poot George Clunas and Mitt Damon are all there to enjoy themselves um, we also get. Okay. I'm sorry. I think I'm sorry. I wish him names with me laughing. I just. I think about Mitt Damon going to school in Washington. And I will say this again because we've mentioned it before, but every single one of them, Bread Poot, George Clunas, Mitt Damon, and the Nene Nene DiCaprio, they're all the exact same animation face model. They've just been given different hairs. It's amazing. Facial hair and normal hair. It's brilliant. <laughs> what a commentary on white guys in Hollywood. Mm-hmm. Oob, I guess we're calling it now. Um, also, Michael, you will see Quentin Tarantulino in the background talking to one Mila Kunis who was eating a sandwich and just kind of standing there aloofly leaning against the wall. Exactly how you'll find her if you go all the way back to season one, episode five, in David quote-unquote, David Boreanaz's house. Do you remember? Wow, yeah, I do, yeah. Uh, oh, Princess Carolyn 
odd and British Cameron higher hair to just kind of look like a celebrity who's yeah experience of David Boreanaz. <laughs> Brilliant stuff. Um, also, I love the Princess Carolyn just is calling Hollywood Hollywood just because mm-hmm. it doesn't even exactly. bat an eyelid. It's just the way that it happens. Um, of course, Bojack Michael brilliantly, as I mentioned to you earlier, is talking to Princess Carolyn about his production of uh, of Hedda Gabla, of course, in prison, which is the play by Henrik Ibsen. Of course, as we've seen throughout this show, he is finally doing Ibsen. It is finally Ibsen. That's great. That's lovely. But there's an extra layer to this as well, because as I mentioned, the tiny themes of change. He's telling Princess Carolyn, and what does he say, Michael? He says, I mean, it's not Strindberg, but, you know, we were having a good time. Yes. And as you'll find out, he has graduated from it not being Ibsen, because it is literally Ibsen at this point, mm-hmm. to August Strindberg, who was a Swedish playwright, novelist, poet, essayist, and painter, who came and, and sort of was trying to take the things that... Um, Henry Ibsen had, uh, sorry, Henrik Ibsen had established in his career and put his own tweaks and changes to them as okay, his career. Nice. On brilliantly though, Michael, as well, a little bit of information on Hedda Gabler. Uh, it's a play, of course, written by uh, Henrik Ibsen. The play has been canonized as a masterpiece within the genres of literary realism, 19th century theatre, and world drama. And I don't know about 19th century theatre, but realism and world drama and a masterpiece within its genre. Mm. That sounds familiar, that doesn't it? Does that sound does. a little bit like perhaps maybe the I know Bojack Horseman, it's not Ibsen because it's better. I mean, our new podcast Horseman wasn't Ibsen, but having heard that, I think we've earned our stripes enough to start reviewing that. Let's do that. I think we've bloody cracked it. <laughs> <laughs> it only took us 70 odd episodes to do. Um, <laughs> also, I've just kind of noted down there Princess Carolyn and Bojack's last dance. Really, let's be honest, probably the last dance, last interaction we might see between them. It's just bloody lovely, Michael. I really liked it. But also, just to steal the show, right at the last minute there, in the background, you will also see, or you can see, Abe Ziegler and Ziggy Abler dancing together in the background, who are, of course, the two comedians who wrote the popsicle stick jokes that Flip McVicker steals in season five. They're just there having a little dance. All's well (laughs) that ends well, it seems. And now, finally, we go to the rooftop, Michael, mm-hmm. for the one last place of this episode. Diane is at the top, and here on board, I have a bit of small talk to begin with, and she's on about how she's still writing uh, the books for, for teens, I think she says. And she says, who am I, Rick Reardon? And Bojack says, who's Rick Reardon? And she says, yeah, good point. <laughs> <laughs> and this really did feel like, along with the other lines that we got on this, just RBW going back to some of his old school, like, have a little pop at someone, while mm-hmm. we're doing the episode, just to clarify as well, um, Rick Riordan Jr. is an American author who is known for writing the uh, Percy Jackson and the Olympians series about okay. a teenager named Percy Jackson who discovers he is the son of the Greek god Poseidon. The young people loved them, Michael. They were big, they were big so. into these Percy Jackson books. But I guess Mr. Uh, Raphael Bobaksberg maybe thought he was a bit of a hack. Who knows? <laughs> who knows? I'm not going to argue with RBW. He's the man. Um also, I love this, as the narrative was being told from Diane's perspective um, and how she kind of says that it's it's sort of presented, isn't it, that Diane and Guy aren't still together the way that she mm-hmm. didn't go to Houston and that she sort of calls him uh, 
or was a boyfriend, she says at the time. And then we get that wonderful twist that she, in fact, moved to Houston and married him. Because, Michael, she doesn't need Bojack in her life anymore. Mm -hmm. and She doesn't need to be held prisoner by Bojack in her life anymore. And you've already covered brilliantly what she sort of mentions throughout that. But I did love this little bit where she mentions, Michael, that the fact that she went and moved to Houston because, plus the winters in Chicago are cold as shit. I don't know why anyone would build a city there. No wonder that cow started that fire. I get it. I'm on Team Cow. But anybody... Well, one, take that Michael Hamlet, who bloody loves a bit of Chicago. <laughs> but for anyone who didn't get the joke, I also myself had to go and do some digging. It is, of course, in reference, Michael, to the famous cow of one Mrs. O'Leary. And for any further diggers, mm. her farm animal, this was, who was accused of allegedly kicking over a lantern that started the Great Chicago Fire of October 8th, 1871. Team Cow! Team Cow for life! <laughs> Unless you're listening from Chicago, and then... Team Cow! <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, Team Cow! Chicago style! <laughs> um, <laughs> which, which in this show would probably be like Team Sheep or something. Yeah, it? it probably would be, wouldn't it? Yeah. Um, Another brilliant callback here as well. There's many of them between these interactions, uh, or the, in these actions between Bojack and Diane. Bojack is talking when uh, Diane says how she wishes she had her phone. Bojack says he never knows what to do with his hands at parties because he that's what he assumes she's talking about before she really rips into him about the voicemails. Um, but brilliantly, Michael, of course, this is not the first time we've heard this either because this is a direct callback in itself to the finale of season one, when the two of them are, of course, sitting on a rooftop together. And mm. Bojack comes out of the window to go and see Diane, who's having a smoke on the roof. Same old stuff, as you can imagine. And uh, as he gets out there, he says, not big on parties, huh? And Diane says, nah, I never know what to do with my hands. Amazing. These guys, Incredible. bloody amazing. They're absolutely class, this lot, aren't they? Love, I love the attention to detail that goes in everything in this show, but especially when it's a Diane and Bojack callback, it always yeah. feels better. Um, and I just thought this was really sweet as well, when Bojack sort of asks Diane, how did you learn to trust it? Like the happiness in life. And she says, I didn't, but I trust him. Mm -hmm. Because Guy, Michael, is the best guy. He's, he's not the only guy, guy. Isn't he? he's the best guy. And of course he's the best guy, Michael, because he's managed to get out to wear fewer jackets and to smile more. Because that's Diane in Chicago, sorry, in Houston, living mm. her best goddamn life. Although I will say, I do like jackets and Diane in jackets. So maybe, maybe find a compromise, yeah. smile more, keep the jacket. It's <laughs> me. Some stupid bloke from Hollywood trying to tell you what to do. Who knows? <laughs> I have be what is it, Michael? You're, uh, you either die the hero or you live long enough to see yourself become the villain. <laughs> well done, Adam Nicholas. From one wonderful bit to another, I told you I was going to give you a pull. I was going to be pulling quotes from this episode like they were going out of fashion. And Diane saying, saying to Bojack, I think there are people that help you become the person that you end up being. And you can be grateful for them, even if they were never meant to be in your life forever. Before Bojack then says, hey, wouldn't it be funny if this night was the last night we ever talked to each other? And as you mentioned, that's that long, awkward look from Diane. We know it's happening. We don't mm -hmm. want to accept it, but it is happening, and it's happening for the best. Before she then goes into everything, you can almost imagine she's been preparing in a mirror to say to Bojack for all this time that needs to be said before she finally makes this clean break once and for all, ending 
one of our favourite relationships, I think it's fair to say, mm-hmm. in this show. Um, also, when the talk, when Bojack just stops her from going and gives her that little anecdote from the prison about the family stone and the pieces of April, where Big Andy is trying is the one who has all the votes to get everybody to watch the family stone, but then Bojack manages to trick them into watching pieces of April, much to his detriment, because now all they do is watch the pieces of April. Mm-hmm. I feel like there's a bit of there's a bit of something in this. Uh, initially, I thought it was kind of cute, but I think there's a there's a few ways you can look at this, and he has a few of them, which I have, I guess, for you. I've mm-hmm. one of these things I feel is, and it's a message that seems to be sort of hammered home in Bojack trying the honeydew as well, which feels like a, the, the little changes that he's making throughout this episode is that trying something new might not always be bad. Like you can do the same thing yeah. over and over again, and you will always get the same result. But that doesn't mean trying something new will necessarily be a bad thing. Like, you might end up with the same result again. You might end up with a better result, for example. But I also thought, because, and I have to point out, I've only researched both films. I've never actually seen either of these films. Um, Boo, hiss, if you've already seen them, and they're really good. <laughs> um, but I just thought that the this idea of breaking the cycle and affecting change might end up leading to something amazing. But also, it might give you, having more more than one perspective on a certain thing, seems like a message that's in here because they're both if i'm not mistaken set around thanksgiving and the families meeting together and the way that families and the dysfunctional families deal with certain dynamics and dramas that are within there and i just thought it just feels like an interesting comedy about maybe you can do something the same way that's also a little bit different and that's not necessarily Mm. a bad thing much like michael when bojack horseman ends you're going to have to replace it with something yeah uh, quadruple cheeseburgers for me. I think. <laughs> Double Big the Sopranos or The Wire, for example, <laughs> <laughs> as we have promoted many times throughout the viewing of this. Or I can definitely say, having now finished season three for the first time and have begun rewatching season one, Twin Peaks, also worth mm. it if you are looking for something good. But there might only be one Bojack Horseman, I will say that. I'm not sure there's another one quite like it. But from there, of course, we go into the absolute, and no one said it yet, I don't think, so I'm going to say it for one last time, powerhouse of a line between Bojack and Diane here. When Bojack says, yeah, well, what are you going to do? Life's a bitch, and then you die, right? To which Diane, of course, says, sometimes, but sometimes life's a bitch, and then you keep living. Mm-hmm. Oh, man. Incredible. Yes. Yes, Diane. You goddamn powerhouse. You goddamn powerhouse. <laughs> Love it. And I've just written down here as well, it's just such an incredible moment, this. It's wonderful, awkward animation of the two, uh, both Bojack and Diane, thinking about saying something, maybe doing something to break the silence, but then also not wanting to do it. There's a back and forth. There's missed glances. There's missed opportunities. But ultimately, it's the two of them sitting in the silence as we hear the song Mr. Blue by Catherine Feeney playing over the top. Uh and I'm not going to sit and read them out, I don't think, because I don't think reading them out actually does them justice. I think you need to hear Catherine Feeney singing them to really mm. do them justice. Um, yeah. But let me tell you, go and listen to this song. Listen, to, I'm sure you will if you've just watched the finale and you are first time, second time, third time, that song will be stuck in your head. It's perfect. It really is a perfect selection and a perfect way, Michael, to cap it all off for me and to cap mm. off the last ever horsing around in this well, certainly episode by episode, horsing around. Bloody hell, it was a long one. It was a long one, but it was always going to be. What a good one. 
but a good one nonetheless. However, despite the fact we've ran wildly long, I'm sure, at this point, (laughs) we do still have time for Michael Hamlet. One actual last thing. The last thing. The last thing, and then I swear to God, we'll shut up about this podcast forever, Michael. I would ask you normally if you'd like to go Mm -hmm. first or second, but I'm not going to do that today because if 70-odd episodes have taught me anything, I know that you're going to go first. <laughs> well, it's funny. No, yeah, I was going to go first. Uh, so, <laughs> uh, a realisation. I love this episode. And we've talked a lot about um, how Bojack's interpersonal relationships, by and large, are about inspiring hope. Um, it's a theme thread throughout this particular episode. And it's necessary because there's often so little of it. There's very much the sort of... Mm the contrast of the last episode where every relationship with all those dead people was crumbling uh, and now the ones that are still alive are the ones that he's trying to, you know, Indeed. resurrect or at least keep going. But as much as we loved the peanut butter and the Todd and the uh, Princess Carolyn relationships, the moments, the conversations, it struck me that Diane is the real Bojack Horseman experience and it is obviously summed up through the course of this awesome conversation that we've both luxuriated and celebrating because it's the coldest reality, and not just because they're sat atop a roof in that bristling wind. With every conversation with Princess Carolyn Todd and Peter Butter, they'll find um, a way to make it work, a series of compromises. You know, it's whether or not it's because they've kind of just got no choice, they want what's best for Bojack, they want their health, whatever. It's nonetheless something that ends their relationship with us, with them forever, on a on kind of like, on positive terms. But if there's one thing we have learned over 70 odd episodes of this show, is that that's not really how things go with Bojack. You don't meet this person, this horse person, like everything goes wrong, everything goes awful, and then thing end, and then everything ends nicely. Not really, anyway. That's not ever the trajectory that we've ever seen with Bojack Horseman. The trajectory is Diane's. And what I'm comparing this to is what we know to be the last ever conversation between these two. Ever, ever, ever. Diane has said that without saying it. This will be the last time the two ever speak. And even in the last conversation, Bojack Horseman is not picking up the signals. He's not picking up what Diane is trying to get across to him. Unlike in their very first conversation, when what he did was look at her and go, baby Bjorn Borg. So the very first time he laid eyes on her, at first sight, he got her. He understood her. He understood her pain at the party. Everything. He got all of it. Their relationship has gone in complete reverse, though it has presented us the idea of hope and aspiration, as it did with all those other characters. They have, in fact, moved the very furthest away than they ever did from first to last. The flip reverse of these ones, because that ultimately is the black tar at the heart of Bojack Horseman. Wonderful stuff, this. Because not only, Michael, not only have you pulled out a wonderful tidbit for your one last thing, but God damn it, for one last time, you've only went and led straight into what my one last thing's going to be. Oh, mint. Absolutely oh, mint. Oh, look at you go. Look at us go. Hey, what a, what a great little duo we are, man. <laughs> <laughs> oh, this is wonderful. So everything to do with Borja and Diane, of course, is, is wonderful in this episode. But, Michael... I would like to take my one last thing, and, and I'm going to compact a few little bits in together, but they are all relevant to what mm. 
to this this moment that I'm going to try and touch on. Um, so in an episode that is called Nice While It Lasted, I think it's very interesting that the uh, this is only the intro to my one last thing I will point out. Okay. I think it's very interesting though that the very last word that is ever uttered in this entire show is the word nice. Because Bojack says, this is nice. And mm. then it's kind of, that's when we get the whole minute and 10 of the silence. Um, his, his final words in this, to sum it all up, this is nice is what he says. But he says that, of course, while he's in the presence of Diane. Of course he does, because I'm sure whether he knows it's the last time or whether he doesn't know, it's the last goddamn time, man. It's and it's nice. Time. He's at least enjoying it in some way, shape or form. Um, interestingly, though, this is brilliantly done because this moment, right, is a one that not only does Bojack want to make last, not only does maybe Diane want to, want to last a little bit, but knowing full well that it's the last, very last time, but they tie this into us. We become part of it because we know that simultaneously, this is the last time we're ever going to see the show. This is the last time we're ever going to see Bojack and Diane. It's the last of everything. So, and we want it to go as long as possible because we don't want it to end. It's, <laughs> do you know what I mean? We don't want that yeah. to go. Never before have you probably had a show where you, one minute and ten of a song is playing and you're just like, how long is this song? Because I want it to go. Like, <laughs> is, is there a fifth and sixth verse? To the, like, more, give, whatever it is. Yeah. Because it's it might look awkward. It might look weird. The animation might be strange. But the one thing we know is, Michael, it had to end. That had to happen. And we knew it was going to. But if there was ever any doubt about what this last moment meant between these two, sitting on this roof together, then you didn't need to worry about trying to interpret it because they already told you, Michael. Because what is one of Bojack Horseman's favourite tricks in this show? RBW will hold the murder weapon to your face <laughs> at the very beginning, almost quite literally in this one, because at the very start of this episode, as you so brilliantly mentioned, Bojack and Diane sit on top of the roof and we get, of course, the bleed-in from the previous episode, the mm -hmm. little beep of the heart monitor, before it flatlines. Now, obviously, coming straight out of the previous episode, that is Bojack's heart monitor of him actually dying. But having watched the episode, and in context, you go back to the beginning and watch that clip again. It's the flatline at the end of the show, but it's also the flatline at the end of the relationship between Diane and Bojack. Because it's over, Michael. Like, it's, it's over. It was nice while it lasted, but ultimately, it's over. You've seen a flat line on Bojack's health. You've seen a flat line on the show. You've seen a flat line on Diana Bojack. Oh, it's uh, this show, man, is is unbelievable. It's unbelievable. That's a heart-stopping take. It is a heart-stopping take. But magic, absolutely magic. We're back to give you the last bit of <laughs> in this show. Just when you thought we'd pulled the plug, instead we're going to plug the rest of the goddamn stuff to do with this podcast. What a joy it has been to do this episode. This is probably going to run quite long, but hey, it's the last ever episode. What are you going to do about it? Eh? I'm sure you've enjoyed it. I hope you've enjoyed it anyway, because we've absolutely loved reviewing this episode and indeed this whole flipping show, Michael, the whole flipping way. But... <laughs> Uh, if you've enjoyed it, if you've hated it, if you've nothinged it, if you've not liked the smell of it, I don't know, you can follow Podcast Horseman on Twitter or Instagram at Podcast Horseman. And if you'd also like to, you can follow either of your hosts. Uh, you can follow me at It's Adam Nicholas. And 
You can follow Michael Hamflit at Michael Hamflit. You can get this podcast on Apple Podcasts, where we'd love you to follow or subscribe on Spotify, where you can follow on Podbean, where you can do whatever it is that Podbean does with podcasts. I'm sure it's very nice. On Amazon, where you can dig us out with a couple of audiobooks if you're buying them for people for Christmas. It's one of the only services that I actually support fully. Um, and of course, on Acast, which will be there every Friday when the uh, tweet goes out. That'll be an Acast link. You can subscribe, you can stream, you can play it through your tweet if it makes you happy. Um, all the options are there, available for you. And on any of the above platforms, if you can leave us a five-star review, we would love it if you did. There is just a couple of weeks left to fool those fat cats in Silicon Valley into thinking more people are talking themselves horse about a talking horse and getting this to the top of the podcast charts. Leave us a five-star review. It can be nasty. It can be nice. It can be anything you want. But you, too, can get a star in our Hollywood. Hollywood? Uh, question mark? Our Hollywood talk of fame. And this is, I guess, a little bit of history. This is the last one to function as a review for the last episode, the finale mm. of BoJack Horseman. Um, we've tried not to pick these out in uh, any, we've not shown any preferential treatment. We've just read them as they've come in. We have been great for all of them. More of them will be getting read out on the finale. So keep your ears peeled in the very last episode of Podcast Horseman. Um, but yes, this is the very last review for oh, the very last episode. Oh, very exciting. Bojack I hope Horseman. it's a bad one. <laughs> it is from... It is from Hughins, H-E-U-G-H-I-N-S, and it says, my favourite podcast, five stars, I love Bojack Horseman and I love the two of you. Hilarious and amazing breakdown, and every episode is something I didn't notice. I'm so glad to found a group of people who love this show as much as I do. And here we go. Here we go, Nicholas. 2019, shall we start a podcast for these exact words? Quote, I don't have anyone in my life who watches it and I love to talk myself horse about a talking horse. And that, humans, was the point all along. We don't really want to fool algorithms. We just want to be able to talk about Bojack Horseman. And we are so, so proud and happy that you have enjoyed us talking about it with you. A star will be making its way to you. And more reviews will be coming in a couple of weeks' time. Yes, indeed, they shall. Oh, it's overwhelming, man. That's, uh, this is it. I know it's not mm -hmm. the, it's not it it's not it for you and I just yet or for indeed all you listeners at home but that's it man that's the end of the show like that's the end of Bojack we we made it our race is run we bloody made it well done you and well done me congratulations well done us. to us <laughs> <laughs> well well done everybody that got through this specific episode well done everyone for sticking with us for this long if you have and if you haven't stuck with us well I guess you're not going to hear this so fuck you but um, <laughs> Uh, <laughs> genuinely I hope you've all loved this I really do I hope you've uh, enjoyed this all we ever wanted to do was talk more about this show in the hope that other mm. people who haven't seen it might then find this podcast and then find the show whichever way around it worked and if you did indeed find the show and not the podcast then you have something a companion to go alongside it because we always felt like there was more to be said and to be heard and to be read and to be listened and I guess now we're part of that which is Pretty cool, actually, when I think about that. Really, really cool. cool. Really, really we cool. are, we are super grateful for all you people who listen, and we're super grateful to have had the opportunity to do it. It's, uh, it's been cool, but it's not over. It isn't over just yet, of course. As Michael mentioned at the start, we will be doing the recap uh, next week. So please do get all your questions in for him, um, because he's going to need them. Because that's the one thing <laughs> in this podcast that he actually does, and it's. <laughs> he better do it. <laughs> That tweet will go out shortly after this episode appears on your Twitter feeds. 
keep them peeled on the Outpost Council Twitter account. We will get the recap tweet that we always send out. Drop them in there because we don't want to miss them. Absolutely, yes. And on top of that as well, uh, as I mentioned, the episode after that will be the one last episode. And then I swear to God, we'll shut up about this podcast quite literally forever. Forever. Forever, forever. So get all your, if you have any, the things we were calling your one last things, please do send them to podcasthorseman at gmail.com. Of course, remember, they have to be no more than 30 seconds long and they have to be submitted before the end of play on Thursday, the 16th of December. Um, right, well, I would normally at this point say I'm going to give you the synopsis for next week's episode, but I don't have one. I don't have one to give. I don't have a single synopsis to give. So instead of that, I will just say to you, thank you very much for uh, for joining us for all of these episodes of Bojack Horseman. And until next week's recap, I guess I've been Adam Nicholas. I've been Michael Hamford. And this has been Podcast Horseman. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High-quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Sick of being upsold at gyms? My guy, you're currently a base member. For $90 more, I can upgrade you to our Shred membership. For $130 more, you'll be a swole member. And for just $300 more, you'll reach Sweat Platinum. At Planet Fitness, you'll get energy without the upsell. Never pushy, always free fitness training and equipment for every workout. It's fitness that fits your budget. Join Planet Fitness for just $1 down and $10 a month. Cancel anytime. Deal ends Friday, May 10th. See Home Club for details.